no toilet paper. You you have a garden hose with a power nozzle. All right. That might on the <laughs> no 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 this yeah, is a, might this is the, a look it, of intrigue it yes. might it might on the surface that sounds weird on the whole it is it it, it, it is oh really yeah yeah really? yeah strap in and welcome in to season four episode fifteen of Unstable Discourse yeah Let's damn go. boy and we've calm already down, got dog calm down. Alex is touching the mic already. Already? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Come on. Twice. Let it, let it leave it alone. He nope. can see out of the corner of his eye. God, even before this, before we started recording, I was adjusting things, and I could see Ryan just looking <laughs> at the, like, he just can't ignore it. microphone. Anyways, I we have a- I adjust my mic to the left. Yeah. He's going to give you a hard time <laughs> about that. Yeah. Guests Naturally, do whatever they want. Naturally yeah. to the left, yeah. Guys, we have a really, really cool episode today. This yeah. is, I'm going to say it now, it's my favorite episode we've ever done. It's not because- Damn. Sir David Cope is with us, but that's a really good reason. Oh, Cope is yeah. chilling over here at the mm-hmm, table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just a quick <laughs> side note about David Cope, in case uh, you aren't plugged into his life, Joe he manifested a real life Jolene. The story he told on his episode, there a real Jolene came from that. Yeah. So that speaks to the power of that song. In which case, I'm going to try to manifest blow job, blow job, <laughs> blow job, blow job, and just see what that does. Because why the hell not, right? Wow. Let us know. Yeah. Hey. It's a short list of people that can actually fulfill that. Think, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Legally. They got to have tiny mouths. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's do introductions here. Um, I'm Alex Seminary of Disc Golf Chicago. I'm here with Ryan Fancher of Unstable Disc Golf Gear. Yes, sir. Also with Sean Callahan of Delwood Disc Golf. What up, y'all? Jason Callahan of Bag of Tricks. My voice is weird tonight. <laughs> yeah. And our guest for tonight is a legend of disc golf. And I'm not even going to look at my phone as I list off the credentials. Ooh. He is a 17-time world and national title winner. Boom. Off the top. Off the top. He is a multiple winner of Guinness Book of World Records. Bang. Damn. He is the he has his own podcast called Outside the Circle. Biggity bam. Mm-hmm. He's the focus star of a documentary called Not Just a Shot. Bada badow. Author, <laughs> author of a uh, probably the best disc golf book there is. Growing up, disc golf an autobiography. Ping pong. <laughs> he is a. He started playing disc golf when there was only one course in the world. What he has his own line of barbecue sauce. I'm listening. Don't you dare! Really? Yeah, I have all four yeah. in my fridge. They are awesome. <laughs> I do. I, I'm not even joking. Yeah. We had them at our house. They're yeah, very good. Me too. Um, and I think there's so much more, but there's one more thing, and it is you are the founder of Blue Power Disc Golf. Most importantly. Where uh, you make disc golf accessible to people with special needs, basically. Is that correct? Yeah. That is correct. And I, I'm actually thrilled to meet the one person who bought my barbecue sauce. <laughs> well, there's, there's two. There's two of us. Both you of you. Yeah. Fans. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we're here with Scott Stokely. What's his name? Hello, everybody. Nice. Damn. We, Not Eric Stokely. Let's just clear that now. Not Eric Oakley. Not Eric Oakley. No. I'll admit, leading up to this, I've been mistakenly calling you Eric every time you were mentioned. I was like, when are we doing that episode with Eric? And they were like, who the fuck is Eric? Eric Stokely, yeah. like, like, no, his name is Scott. (laughs) Scott. Now, if I accidentally call you Eric tonight, that's why. I don't know why I have it in my head. Your name is Eric. Sorry. The moment it does happen, I'm going to have the counter. Bing. 
Yeah. Bing. We'll see how many times it comes up. We'll yeah. see. There's a million things that we can talk to you about, Scott, and um, we're not going. We don't have time. Enough time in the world to cover all of it, but some of the things we're going to cover. Actually, I'm not even going to let people know. We're going to just let it flow. We're going to be water. Ooh, Everyone's uh, got different things they want to talk to. Excited. Love your enthusiasm. And just for the record, how many episodes of Unstable Discourse have you listened to before? I think I'm at probably between 45 and 50. Plus or minus 50. Oh, so give or take <laughs> give or take the entire library of our yeah. He does yeah, follow us on Instagram. Hey, he does. I'm going to count that as a win. Yep. You you don't run your all all your social media, right? Like you have you have a little help or is it just you? Like talk to me a little bit about that. So no, I do have help with my social media. Uh, I try my best to answer everything and answer and reply to posts and comments and questions to the best of my ability. Uh, it's gotten harder because the sport's gotten so much bigger, but I do my best. I feel like there's a, a little time of day where you're like, okay, it's social media time because anytime I've DM'd with you, it's like around nine or 10 o'clock, I get responses from you. Like, it's when That's I'm when pooping. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so you're, you're pretty regular. Between nine and 10 in the morning. <laughs> Actually, check this out. This is like, like one of the coolest evolutions of disc golf to me is that. With staggered starts instead of the shotgun starts, you know, you tee off and the better you shoot, the you know, you later in the day you tee off. A first round is generally random. Well, this last year on the Euro Tour, they always had me on like the feature card or the chase card first round for coverage. And I played really well. I finished sixth place on the Euro Tour, which meant I teed off in the last couple of groups, which means I did not tee off before 2 p.m. this year. Wow. On the tour, mm. and by as soon as I say that, there might have been one or two times, but mm. not having to play disc golf in the morning at my age. Pretty nice. cool. It's pretty cool. nice. <laughs> See, we've started doing tea time since COVID, basically, and everybody loves it now, and we get more people in. But it is generally MA seventy, MA sixty, MA fifty first thing in the morning mm -hmm. and they can't <clears throat> wait we have tea time starting at 7 30 and they'll already be throwing at 7 15 yeah they want to mm -hmm. up at seven mm -hmm. so at your age this surprises me yeah. well, well he's not 70 years old no i know okay. yeah i know but i'm saying like he's he's mentioning at his age as if he is yes. older but you're still young at heart i wouldn't tee off before noon if i had the choice either yes so i think the reason why is when you get older you try to squeeze as much in as you can because you don't know if you're going to be around at 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Sure. You also so, try to squeeze as much out as you can, and that's why you're so regular you're in the morning. Right? Thank you. Yes. I have told talking. people in my group, well, I, I said this once kind of joking, but then when I realized it made him uncomfortable, I've, I've said it again. I, 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 <laughs> by the way, no, this is there's a whole difference. On, on the pro tour, there's no trash talking. There, there's no mind games. I mean, it's, it's different. But at casual tournaments, then it's just friends playing Frisbee golf. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them flat out, look, the odds of me dying during this round aren't zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's true for all of us. <laughs> well, but when you get older, though, the, every single day, the odds of me not making it to the end of the round goes up by a measurable amount. Sure. It's yes. not a lot. But right. it's not none. Yes. And they, they make them so uncomfortable. And I'm like, but that's really funny. <laughs> right. Sure. Hey, the chances of dying during this podcast are not zero. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's actually uh, accurate. The episode, this is a story that no listeners probably know yet. Mm. But the episode Cope. we did with David uh -huh. Cope, after the episode, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, uh, and David uh, was a former bud tender. He's a, like a big cannabis um advocate so it was a very pro cannabis episode and then after the show we were outside we were indulging a little bit 
and I maybe took more than I should have. Um, because I'm I'm kind of a lightweight. Maybe I was yeah. there. Can confirm. There was no maybe. <laughs> yeah. By yeah. a significant amount. Yeah, definitely happened. Anyways, I I had a big coughing fit, and then I was <laughs> losing my mind, and then I was like, I should lean up against this wall because I'm starting to feel a little light lightheaded. And then before I knew it, I woke up, and my brother was standing over me, going, "Alex, are you okay?" And I had passed out from two. I think overindulging possibly yeah. might be the explanation. The quote was. How long was I out? How long was I out? <laughs> yeah. Scott, you know the toys where you like go like this and you press the bottom? Pre- and the, yeah. Like, the and they just fall apart. The giraffe like, like, yeah. you know. Yes. That's what happened with his body. Yeah. yeah. Right in front of all of us. He was us. completely erect. Scary that he was well. made of jello. So I, what I think you're trying to say then is kids don't do drugs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kids. Correct. Yeah. Kids don't. Uh, so yeah, let's all promise to survive this episode. Yeah. Let's yeah. Hands in the middle. We all promise. All right, I'm going to do my best to live through this. I can't make that promise. That's all all we're going to ask you today. I'll give it a college try. All right, guys, let's get this show on the road. We have a lot of things we want to talk to you about. So let's start with Fired Up. Fired Up. Okay. It was different. It was classic. It was a little classic. Yeah, yeah. It was a combination of a few things. Yeah. I'm going to nominate... Ryan to go first. Okay. So this shed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I do have a, for me, a slightly more profound fired up. So uh, my daughter is seven years old. And up until this moment, she has enjoyed video games very sparingly. Uh, She's excited about video games, but she is, she'll play for 10 minutes. And then obviously a seven-year-old's mind is so distracted that it's puppies and coloring. And I've got got to, I've got to get a snack and something else. The other day she decided that she was upset because there was a very old game that she couldn't find. And so we downloaded a new game and it happened to be a Pokemon game. That was a free game. Mm, um, and I have never been into Pokemon. It was, it, I was a generation before that ended For up sure. coming to be. So I don't know much about it, but You're closer to Scott's age. Yes, I'm probably nobody's closer to my age. <laughs> Not too far. Real quick. So Scott, how do you say Pokemon in Japanese? Or actually, ooh. what does what Pokemon translate to in English? Pocket monster. Yeah. Oh, he got it. Nice. Nailed he it. Got it. He got it. Nailed it. Let's go. So, yeah. Hell so yeah. Uh, we found this game called Pokemon Quest. And it is a rudimentary RPG role playing game. And I had a feeling that she was going to play for five minutes and then go get a snack and go outside. But she is really embraced it and i'm really excited because i can see her mind racing and there's a lot of math and there's reading involved and there is strategy involved that i didn't think she was going to be interested in and she is so into it Mm. and i'm so excited because my wife and i are both rpg video game players final fantasy and you know things like that she was just playing earlier today before i showed up and there are these little power stones that you can add to your Pokemon to make them stronger. And there was a a stone that she added and it was like 130 hit points. And I was like, well, there's a 145. You should do that one. And she was like, no, Dada, the 130 has a plus 10, you know, uh, recharge rate and a, and a minus five, you know, attack, whatever. And she's like, this one's better. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) You better... This is awesome. Yeah. Check yeah. So yeah. Dad. So um, thank God it has. You can only do five little exhibition quests 
within a certain amount of time and then it kind of locks you out of the game so you can't play anymore. Mm. Like it's it's almost timed, right? So you have to wait half an hour before you recharge. So it, mm, it's nice. a way to like not get kids to play for seven hours at a time, yeah, which is great. Sure. So she only plays for a little bit and then she's off to do something else. But like, it's so interesting to see her mind, like she'll know how to add the hit points together before she does the stuff and like it, it's working. So it's not just a mindless, dumb hmm game that she's going to waste time in it is she's learning stuff yeah it's awesome every day she is more and more your daughter yeah it's yeah. great so i'm that's all i'm fired up about so is it on mobile or switch or it's on the switch yeah, yeah. we've been playing it on the tv but you know we'll end up probably taking it with us if we go on vacation or w- whatever we do but Hell yeah um it's exciting to see her wheels turning in a different direction yeah so, yeah that's all very cool so yeah does everyone know the theme song to pokemon like all the you gotta to catch them all i don't know yeah, that's beautiful. Is it? Yeah, that's good. That's the right stuff. I don't. I don't know. I have a cold. Yeah. Give I me the know. first first line of the song, please. Tell me you know it. No, I'm older than Ryan. It was just that was like no. kid stuff. No, I can't. Out. Are you telling yeah. me you never got your ass kicked on the school bus because Dude, someone took your Pokemon cards? I and couldn't you tried even. To... Other than Charizard, Bulbasaur, and Pikachu, that's all I've got. That's it. And I'm pretty yeah. sure I pronounced one of them wrong. That's all I've got. It was yeah. decent. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to be able to make fun of you for not being into Pokemon. Oh, yeah? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's how really go? turned. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I am learning this whole Pokemon thing as she's playing the game. So I have no idea. You know, I got but nothing. It, it, yeah. No, that's I'm awesome. With you, I got nothing. Uh, Jason, what are you fired up about? I am fired up that all weeks and Sunday, I've had a pretty terrible head cold. Can confirm. Yeah, like can't tell. Super yeah. concerned about like leading up to this. Did you do COVID tests? And, yes, I did some COVID tests. All good. It's just a head cold. Well, it isn't COVID. Let me say that. Okay. Um, but it's cancer. It is. Oh, cancer, I was just yeah. gonna say. <laughs> AIDS, did you do an AIDS test? Face He's cancer. Die. Yeah. Uh, the no, chances no. of him surviving have gone down significantly. But yeah, as yeah. of today, it's all <laughs> kind of cleared up, and it was all leading up to today. I wanted to be here for this, and I'm super excited about the fact that as of yeah. today, I'm yeah. back to feeling my normal self. Wow. But I will tell you, uh, with all the nose blowing and snot and all that's coming out of my head, this morning I woke up and looked in the mirror, and my nostrils looked like Freddy Krueger's butthole. <laughs> it was awful. I was like frightened by what i saw in the mirror were they just red or thank god this is an audio only podcast yeah (laughs) they were so like gross and red and crusted and bleeding and i was like oh my god but then lots of lotion lots of vicks vapor rub Mm. and now you see the lovely pink hue that you're seeing on my face they're no longer prolapsed yeah they're not prolapsed (laughs) Prolapsed nostrils i had prolapsed nostrils this morning it was disgusting But yeah, super excited to be like on the healthy side of whatever feeling that was. And yeah. The, the feeling of being able to breathe again through oh both nostrils. God. I have been miserable. How much do you yeah. realize like that you take breathing for granted? Like, yes. Mm. Yeah. Until you can. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is feelings of gratification that are non-sexual. And I think being able to breathe through both nostrils after like one's been clogged. Oh, one sure. of the most satisfying, pleasurable, yeah. non-sexual feelings Sex. you can ever yeah. have. Yeah. That very first one, the one where you're like, breathe deep and it's there it's and you're back. like, oh. Yeah. Lungs. Yeah. I have lungs. I had that earlier today. That's how yes. I know. I'm can anybody else chime in a, a really good, non-sexual, satisfying feeling? Yes. <laughs> oh, here we go. I absolutely can. And I, I got this initially a little bit from Bradley Williams. Uh, we were playing Northwoods Black. And Bradley said he loves that course because on that course, and, and you know, Bradley's one of the top players in the world. Sure. 
He said, on that course, every time I par a hole, I get a dopamine hit. Mm, mm-hmm. Because every hole has a potential double bogey on it. Yeah. So I started thinking about all the different things that make a good golf hole. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about a good recreational golf hole or sure. aesthetically good golf hole, but what is a good golf hole for a touring player? And I figured out what it is. A good golf hole is just like smoking cigarettes mm. as far as a satisfying thing. And here's what I mean by that. If you smoke, you do not feel good from nicotine. Okay, that's bullshit. That's a myth. You feel awful from the depleted dopamine and depleted serotonin, and the nicotine just gets you up to baseline. Yeah, back if to you're zero. Not a, not, if you're a non-smoker, a smoker smokes a cigarette just to feel where you are, but it takes that feeling awful in order for the cigarette to make you feel good. And I thought, here's what makes a good golf hole. It's like craving a cigarette. On a good golf hole, you should feel anxiety, which is just cortisol. Mm-hmm. You should feel a depletion of dopamine or serotonin or, or even norepinephrine, whatever, because you're, you're nervous and you're scared. You should almost feel, feel bad on the tee pad of a hole, which means you are satisfied with the par. Oh my God, I love it. And it actually makes you feel good. But in order to feel good, because if you think about it, I mean, I'm pretty darn good at disc golf. A, bird, a, a birdie on a recreational course doesn't really excite me. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't move me. It doesn't make me feel good. You know, it's just, okay, we've got millions of birdies. If I play Northwoods Black and I'm standing on the tee pad, scared to death of this shot and I get a birdie, I get the dopamine. Mm. But it took the fear and anxiety to give it that. So I, I said, it's just like it's, it's like being a smoker on the course. Mm, love that. Oh, yeah. And that great. is why I have said I, I want courses that are going to kick my ass. Yeah. I want to be nervous yeah, the whole time. Sure. Yes. I hole love. one. At, okay. So also at, at uh, that, that uh, Ledstone, I realized this on hole one at the Eureka Lake course. Because mm-hmm. you got to throw like 400 feet over the water to have a decent approach shot. You can clear it at 350, but it's like, then you're like, no, you might bogey from there even if yeah. you're safe. Down the hill, If yeah. you throw it too hard, you crest the hill and go out of bounds long, But there, and there's a headwind coming off the water. And if you're backhand, you're going to be fading left. And I was having a panic attack the night before the tournament because <laughs> that's the first hole of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I literally, like, I, I was falling asleep, having anxiety over that hole. And then I realized, I, I, I think I birdied it once and parred once or something, but I played it fine. And it was, like, so much more rewarding because of that anxiety that I felt. Mm. That's where Brilliant. I got it from. Or that's yes. the moment I, I realized it. it. That's great. I don't that's so it. much better than what I was going <clears> to <throat> say because <laughs> I, <thought laughs> I, don't I was going to say yeah, go it's when you use your bidet – and you still do the just-in-case wipe, and then you look, and you realize the bidet got everything, and there's nothing on the toilet paper. That is like, okay, so I could speaking come right of there. bidets, uh, allow me to jump in here. <laughs> so check this out. We were in Southeast Asia for months, and in Southeast Asia, no toilet paper. Now, Hold on the surface, that might seem like a bad thing. Uh-uh. <laughs> so every single bathroom, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's outside in a park in your hotel, they're all wet rooms, right? So there's nothing, there's no carpet or anything. It's all like concrete or something. Mm-hmm. No toilet paper. You you have a garden hose with a power nozzle. All right. That might on the <laughs> No, no, no. This yeah. is, a, might this is the, a look it, of intrigue. It, yes. might, it might on the surface. That sounds weird on the whole. It is. It, it, <laughs> It, it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Strap no, in. It is, yeah. it is unusual, uh, except it, it's not that unusual. If, if several billion people use bathrooms that way, it's not weird. 
Yeah. It's just as normal as a Western toilet, you know, statistically. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a power nozzle, but here's the thing: that power nozzle will completely soak you. It'll soak your shoes. It soaks your your pants. It soaks your shirt. It soaks your hair. Like it gets everywhere. Did you, were you about to say it soaks your hair? Well, it did. It, no, it's just because it's it's a power nozzle. <laughs> you you yeah. reached up like it soaks your hair. I was like, yeah. there's a story here. <laughs> <laughs> no, every part of you gets drenched. Go into a small room and play with a hose with a with a power mm-hmm. nozzle. Yeah. You're getting wet, right? Which would be a problem, except in Southeast. Asia, it's going to rain like six times a day. So when you walk out dry, it rains on you 45 minutes later for, you know, 30 seconds and your clothing's wet five times mm-hmm. a day. So there's see where this is going. there's nothing unusual about like using a power nozzle <laughs> and drenching yourself in the yeah. middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. one of the a very unique thing about. I think Southeast I'm just going to skip the bidet altogether and just get the attachment for the garden yeah, hose the and hose. the sink. Yeah. They've got to figure it out. For yeah, sure. yeah, might as well. Yeah. We'll need to check in with Cy Spencer. He's uh, he's our yeah, he's in re- Singapore, representative right? in Singapore. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, in a place like Singapore, they'll have like Western toilets. Like if you stay at like a fancy Western hotel, like yeah, they're going to have toilet paper. But in Cambodia, Indonesia, Malaysia, hmm. Thailand, uh-oh. I'm going to keep us moving. Garden hose. <laughs> Garden, garden on, on the subject, because allow me to go into more detail. No, <laughs> your, there's your, hose in all them area codes, is what you're saying. Yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> your comment about the the non sexual feeling, uh, it was the perfect segue for my fired up. I am yeah. approaching two months with no cigarettes, yes, not a single drag. That's amazing, no drags. And uh, whenever I go to a disc golf event, that's where that's one of the, there's like a few like trigger, trigger. like, yeah, for sure. and when I see like my friends who I always have a cigarette with and like when we're playing together, I'm like, Ooh, and I showed up to, to leagues on the last <laughs> week or whatever. Like a cigarette, don't and they? I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, Marbs is going to be there. Yep. And I always have a cigarette with Marbs. And yep. then we ended up on the same card. And I was oh, like, no. Ooh, the whole round he's smoking. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm yeah. not doing it. Can I yeah. give you a hot tip on this one? Yes. All right. This is the most important tip you're ever going to get. This is literally like save your life tip. That's what I've the said The single most important <laughs> thing you have to know is don't ever take a puff. Or have a cigarette. Because if you have a cigarette, oh, I'm out drinking with the guys. What's one cigarette going to hurt? The reality is you will only have one cigarette that night. Great. Now you realize, hey, every once in a while, I can have one cigarette. Mm -hmm. It's the slope. It's a slope. It's a 100% chance. Because once you've told yourself you can have one, there's a 100% chance you become a smoker again. You have Mm -hmm. to not take a single puff ever. I'm not. I'm not actually committed to, to quitting forever. I'm, uh, my, uh, I do my, love it. That unless you much. want to start smoking yeah. again, then take yeah. smoke one. I will <laughs> see. We'll see how I feel. My my goal is to get for my wife and I to get pregnant, and uh, uh, quitting smoking at least one of you will help yeah. with that. Yeah. And I told her I will not smoke another cigarette until we're pregnant. And then I have a feeling that once we're pregnant, I'll be like, I can't start smoking again. We're gonna have a kid, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I will ease up on myself also at that point. I'll be like, I made the kid. I will have that cigarette if we're out, you know, with the boys drinking, whatever. We'll see. I don't know. At the moment, I'm really, I'm enjoying my progress. It's hard for me personally to tell you to stop you smoking. Want- because <laughs> one of the things that we share together yes, is sharing cigarettes. So. When I see you, I'm like, I, I wish I had a cigarette for you. I you guys do me a favor? Because yeah. I won't be around. Will you please uh, write the I told you so note and just sign yeah. my name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On it. All right. Who's left? Sean? 
You're fired I up will go, something. yes. Uh, so as everybody knows, we did have the delis this past Friday. I was going to mm-hmm. use that, but I knew yes. I would save yes, it for yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for uh-huh. that. Take some delis. I'm going to uh, precursor this with going into the delis. It's been a long year. Everybody's feeling it. It's been, I don't want to say a struggle, but we're kind of, we're getting through the tail end of the year. And the, the deli signups were lower than the last couple of years. And we were not mad at anybody, but a little bit disappointed. And it is what it is. So we kind of fully went into this thinking that maybe this might be the last year of the delis. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Nothing guaranteed. Were you going to say something? I was just going to explain to Scott, the yes. delis is our end of year awards mm-hmm. show. Oh, I know. Okay. Of course. Oh. Yeah. Everybody knows about the delis. Well, now we <laughs> have to do it. Well, Jesus. No. Uh, but so, I just want to let you know, it's, yes. it's at the Roxy downtown. It, there, disc golf is not a part of this. Like Everybody dresses up. Everybody gets food. It's a big awards thing. It's a giant yes. party. I really think and, of it like the MTV Video Music Awards. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that. So the fact that there is not disc golf t- to play is really what makes us think that not everybody's going to sign up because I can't go and smoke and drink and play disc golf and, and maybe golf. win 10 bucks on my buddies that night. Right. I'm going to go play glow instead yes. is what we always assume is the case when nobody signs up. But go ahead. Right. Go yes. ahead. Yes. Cut to Friday night. The delis went off without a hitch. Absolutely phenomenal night. Mm-hmm. I would say collectively our favorite part of the night is when we give the actual deli awards mm-hmm. mm. and giving those deli awards to shout out to Steve Brown. Mm-hmm. Jason Allen, mm-hmm. partner, big whiz. Mm-hmm. And also Gary Lewis, legend of the area. It was, you know, and I hate having to constantly go back and say, oh, now I'm re- now I'm rejuvenated instead of already feeling rejuvenated before we go into it. Mm-hmm. But damn it, I tell you, seeing those guys up on stage, giving those speeches on receiving those awards was like a punch in my face of this is so incredibly important. Yeah. And how dare was, you for a second not dare- think? Dare I, how dare I think for one second that this isn't worth this whole night and every moment and every person and every person that hasn't volunteered yet and every person that hasn't done all these things. So uh, I am here to say tonight that absolutely, without a doubt, there will always be delis forever, as long as I have anything to do with it. You'll um, do it in purple it purity. It was just absolutely. <laughs> what is that word? Yeah. Purple purity. <laughs> Perpetuity. There. I, can I, yeah. I got to tell you something about the delis. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Liz found out that I was going. She was like, oh, what are you doing on Friday? I was like, oh, it's the delis. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not going to the delis? And I was like, yeah. I didn't. I assumed you were, you know, didn't want to go. And she's yeah. like, what do you mean? I had such a good time. Like, can I still go? And I was like. Shut the Come fuck on. up. I went on. I, yeah, yeah, I bought yeah. our ticket right away. Yeah, and we yeah. had a great time. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that was our favorite yeah. date of the year. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Such a good time. Uh, yeah. This, the speeches from the Delhi Award winners were just absolutely outstanding. It mm-hmm. it was the moment that we dreamed this up to be. Like, yeah. I want it to be the chills when you see, when you have that moment of a movie or a song or, you know, and, and it absolutely was. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. what an amazing night. I'm still living on the high of the Delis and mm-hmm. starting to plan for next year. And- and the whole season and the whole the whole gig. Mm-hmm. Stoked. Beautiful. Stoked on it. I'm very happy to hear this. I was nervous that you might. Con- it was a magical yeah. night. Magical night. Yeah. And if you didn't come, you've screwed up. It's such a good, unique experience. Yes. Uh, to reiterate, for 40 bucks, you got to go to the Roxy and hang out with all your all your friends, all your Boom. buddies. You got an ice sculpture. Bang. You got appetizers and dinner including shrimp and quesadillas Un- unlimited and shrimp that shrimp wings dude. and pulled pork and charcuterie and like the whole deal right ping drink ping, tickets ping. two free drinks 
Bow. A magic show. Bada ba dow. A magic show. Bada yes. ba dow. Where <laughs> Sheila disappeared yeah. and yes, reappeared as Twan, dressed up as Sheila. Yeah. A whole thing was planned. Still, That's worth $40 Been thinking alone. about that oh, for a week. Cannot figure out how they And did then it. all of the the <laughs> yeah the end of season awards, which everyone works towards, and then the Delhi Awards, of which three of the four members came from the same table. Yes, they did. Yeah, uh, which was great for forty dollars. I don't I don't understand. It it defies all. Uh, yeah. it should be sold out in minutes. Like every tournament we <clears throat> those who put know if we those who know know. Yeah. And that was really one of the things that hit at home was like seeing. Yeah. And and I will say also, like knowing what the signups were year one, year two, year three, and there was a difference when you are up on that stage, when we are in that vibe that we cannot explain unless you are there. It feels like a sea of people mm-hmm. because everybody's energy in that space is so excited. To be Agreed. There. Yeah. A million percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I do trivia nights were like only six teams show up. I get that same way because I'm yeah. like, what am I doing this for? And then I realize, oh, I'm doing it for the six teams that showed up tonight. Yes. And I'm like, they're going to get the same Jason if there was 26 teams tonight. Yes. And that's, I totally get that perspective. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I get that way about this show. When I post, hey, send us your audio mailbag submissions and no one does it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why are we, yeah. why are we doing this show? You're yeah. screaming into the void. Oh, it's for Joey Three Putts. Yeah. That's who we do the show. <laughs> only for him. Yeah. If only for him. All right. Let's keep it moving. Yep. Scott, what are you fired up about? I've been thinking about this a long time. Because you long? listened to the How long? So Since many the episodes. last time yeah. you hit so, the head. Know, it's yeah. the last 45 ago. to 50 episodes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I've always right, right, wanted right. the opportunity of yeah. like. Or 45 what? to 50 minutes. No, like ahead. what in my life? Because I there's so many different aspects to my life. And what is the thing that fires me up the most when I look at the whole thing in its entirety? And I think it's the fact that I quit smoking when I was 30. And every night when I go to bed, I'm like, I'm such a. Come on! Genius. I don't have one cigarette. I have a kid now. Captions for listeners. That was a little Jolene-y, man. That was. He leaned, that. That he was leaned away from the mic and stared yeah. deeply into my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just flirting with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Got him. No, I, uh, no, I'm not that guy. I do whatever the hell you want. I'm like... um no i think that what i'm fired up about is that i am i'm living the life that i want to live after a lifetime of working really hard and come on up doing really well at other parts but i'm like i got everything i'm like i'm doing things exactly the way i want to so i'm fired up every day because i'm like oh my god i'm doing this thing Mm. you know i've had a great life but it's had ups and downs and there's no more downs it's it's exactly how i planned it Mm. took a long time I also figured out the secret to happiness, which took a long time too. Like, uh, <laughs> it'd be a handy thing to know when you're 20. Uh-huh. So tell us. You want, you want <laughs> Please, to know the secret uh, happiness? 100%. We have listeners in this yeah. okay, yeah, I'll tell We you talk, by the way, we talk a lot on the show about mental health. And I think that's one of the things that our listeners really, really uh, gravitate to. So the secret to happiness, please. Watch, it it's going to be like nachos. <laughs> God, I hope it is. Get wrong. That's so wrong easy. No, it's it's just about not smoking. No. <laughs> By the way, the the hacking you hear and my and the like the wheezing is my lungs repairing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had a cough for weeks. Yeah. Now. yeah. No. So I, I'll give you the quick version of this because it t- it really took me a long time to figure this out. But basically, I think what you have to do is you have to throw away every single thing you've ever been told or everything you think you know about what you want in life. 
Because throughout your entire life, you got your parents, you got your siblings, you got your friends, television, music, the church, society, Fox News, and CNN. Don't pick sides, whatever. Like you have all these different people telling you what life is supposed to be, and you have to you have to just throw all of it away and start from scratch. And then you have to figure out every aspect of life what you want, independent of what anybody else says you should do. What do I want my relationship to look like? What do I want my career to look like? What do I want everything to look like? And it may turn out that it's exactly what you're doing now. Like there's nothing wrong with getting married to one person in a monogamous relationship, having two kids and growing old with them. There's nothing wrong with that if you decide that's for you. But if you step back, you might go, huh, is that really for me? And you may conclude that's not for you. And then you go, oh, well, I can go choose a path that fits what I want. And I'm not saying any of this is easy. It took a long time to figure out, but just to basically shut out all the voices and and not let anybody influence you on how you want to live your life and then do it your way. Not easy, but but I can tell you that when you do that, you're like, oh man, this is kind of neat. Well, I think a big part of that is knowing yourself and listening to yourself because I, this is something I'm, like I just said, we talk a lot about mental health on the show and I'll get, I'll get real for a second in therapy. One of the things I'm really working on is, is knowing why I do what I do and and figuring out if it's serving what I actually want. And I've, for many, many years, not listened to myself. I just do things sort of automatically or do things for the wrong reasons sometimes and not being in touch with that, your actual voice and your actual conscience. And if you don't listen to yourself and you don't know what you want, it almost doesn't matter if you're going to block out everything else because you need to know you first. You really got to listen to that. You got to find it. And so what I'm working on is, is like, why did I do that? Why did I agree to do that thing? Yeah. Like, what am I, is it serving me or not? Like, why did I agree to do trophies for that tournament again? <laughs> why did I do that? Is that serving me? Damn. It never. Not. It's never serving me. Yeah. That's uh well, there's another, thing. another part of the thing about figuring out life is that when you figure out what you want, it doesn't mean it can happen tomorrow. So what I found is as long as that you have a plan to get to where you want, then I think you can be happy. So for example, you, you, you have a good career as an accountant not what you wanted to do. You wanted to play guitar, right? In a band, but you have a job as an accountant, but you got, you have two kids, you got a mortgage. Well, well, you know, guess what? Suck it up. You're going to have to do, do the stuff you have to do because that is a priority, but it doesn't mean that you can't plan on, Hey, once these kids get off to college, I'm totally, I'm going to, I'm going to try to play music for a living because knowing that that is in the future, it's, it's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden that accounting job that was, that was making you miserable. I don't think it makes you as miserable if you know there's an end in sight. 100%. So it's not a matter of things happening today. They can't happen. By the way, some of these things might involve going back to college. Some of these things might involve, shit, I got Becoming gotta, I, an accountant with two kids. Yeah. yeah. It might be. Well, it could yeah. be. It could mean like facing, facing the prospect of a, of a divorce because right. you realize you're not happy. But if, you know, you can get through it if you know that it can be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you stick with this thing that makes you unhappy, then, you know. Not to be all like yeah. on my soapbox or anything. You got but the chips. That's, that's what yeah. I figured out. You got the ground beef. Got the ground beef. Eventually, you'll get the cheese. Yeah, and, make and the olives and the nachos. salsa, and eventually, <laughs> it will be nachos. Pick with the gallo. Yeah. Put some sour cream on that shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap on everybody's fired up. <laughs> Cope, do you want to switch seats? Because all the stupid shit I planned on saying tonight is not going to be worthy of this episode. So if you want to be on and I'll just get out of here, that's fine. Oh, I don't have the hard drive for that. Yeah, for yeah. that? All right. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
All right, so where we go from here is into the Callahallander rundown, and Sean said we are not doing the Callahallander rundown, but I still wanted to let everybody know that the Callahallander rundown is usually brought to you unofficially by DiscGolfC.com. Oh, come on, Pete. There yeah. you go. <laughs> he gets it. Yeah. yeah. He really does listen. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Nailed it. Yeah. You did it. Yep. You did exactly what we've done we for 50 that? episodes. Yes, definitely. Do uh, please do the honors. Why do we say come on? Um, I think it started because it, it was like. Uh, all the things that we wanted to be on disc golf scene or all of the little, yeah. you know, as we were learning how disc golf scene worked, we're hoping that Pete is listening. Pete, uh, whose last name I am. Totally Christ. Pete Christ. We were always hoping. Hope? Hoping. Hoping. You just made a new word. That he was hoping that he was listening. <laughs> and it was like, come on, Pete, come on and do these things. And now it's just this thing where we've reached out to Pete and he knows that we say discgolfscene.com. <clears throat> Come, Come on, on, Pete. Pete. Yeah. And uh, now it's fun. And now everybody knows it. And you did it. And now it's even cooler. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah. now yes. from this But day you've on, known that the last I'm 50 going to episodes. Call yes. David Cope. I do. Sir David Copening. 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 <laughs> the Copening. The Copening. The Copening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, since there is no real Cal Hallander rundown, and since we don't have any real sponsors to talk about at this time, by the way, we could have sponsors. We're just good. We will have another one because I talked to. Redemption disposal oh. and recycling, and they uh, we're going to work out a deal. I think again. Okay. So okay. unofficially, we will have a sponsor. For the so. record, Ao the Mortgage Pro is is wondering why we didn't ask him to do it again, and there wasn't a good reason. We just I don't know dropped the ball. But he is adamant that he has gotten numerous deals from being the sponsor of the show. He huh. can trace back m- numerous deals. From people who said, I hear you on Unstable Discourse, and I just figured mm. I'd work with you. I do hundreds of deals. I deal, the deals come out of my ears, and they're good deals. Most of them are phenomenal deals. So future sponsors, just know it works. All right? People <laughs> listen. And yeah. current listeners, stay tuned to see if we had an ad spot <laughs> right now. now. I always use Chico's Bail Bonds. <laughs> Because they sponsored this show. Does All right, anybody, we're going to take a break. We'll does anybody right get the reference, by the way? <laughs> anybody? I Somewhere in the back of my mind. Anybody, come on. No. Chico's Bail Bonds is from... The greatest sports movie ever made. Bad News Bears. Uh, I knew it was familiar. Damn I dated it. myself. Yeah. I told you I'm got 10 years on, y'all. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. Ryan literally just slapped. My I hand just had to slap his hand off of the Come microphone. Stop talking. Can you, you explain? In your the- defense, it was on your leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> explain the problem. Why, when I touch the microphone, why is it a problem? Because it makes noise, and I can't hear what you said because it goes. Oh, I see. Yeah. And yeah. because it's still funny. Yeah. yeah. Every time he. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sixty episodes. Yeah. Still hysterical. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna stop. I have very consciously have tried to stop it's never gonna happen no anyways it's time to get into the nuts and bolts of this episode have we thrown around a name for this one yet i think sometimes we just do the episode and the name comes the name comes to us yeah it isn't there yet Uh uh-huh but it will it'll reveal itself yes it'll reveal itself. just let it happen baby anyways it's time to get to know scott stokely i have a list of questions I know you've got a list of questions. Have questions here, yes. Do you have one that you feel like is really good to start us off on a on a good path? I don't. 
Okay. <laughs> I do. Please. So, have you ever woken up oh my God. and looked at yourself in the mirror, and one of your eyebrow hairs is like suddenly three inches long? How? And it How? wasn't like that the day before? <laughs> right? It's like all the hairs decided, hey, it's you, buddy. Oh, it's this like, time. Yeah. What is, what is your take on that, and why do you think that happens while we sleep? So, a bunch of things happen where you cross these imaginary lines when you get older. I, I heard, and I'm going to steal this from somebody, but I heard that you get to a point where your body's not able to keep your heart beating and your ball hair dark. <laughs> At the same so, time. So right? it makes okay. the choice right. and it keeps you alive. Right, right, right. right. Uh, there's this... I appreciate that decision. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's this imaginary line, and I crossed this this line here. I crossed the line where bowling becomes exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's <And> so real. <laughs> there's an imaginary line where all of a sudden you get ear hair mm-hmm. and eyebrow hair that it's like anarchy. It is. But it's not the day before. It did not happen yesterday. And then the next day it happens for the rest of your life. So yeah, of course, I'm like elderly. I'm closer to 107 years old than I am to my birth. I know how old he is. Oh, wow. That's math. Okay. Yo. Let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Now let's go back to, uh, instead of, you know, age 107, let's go back to uh, early days. I think a cool place for this conversation to start, and there's a running joke on the show where I ask a really bad interview question where I ask, how did you get started playing disc golf? And I'm not going to do that because Ryan has a little, uh, he's like a period every time Uh I ask that question. (laughs) Uh, I bleed just a little bit. Just a Well, he's not trying to have a baby either. Where am I going to start? And I was just telling you this during the break is I started reading Growing Up Disc Golf. That's your autobiography. And it's genuinely compelling. And the reason I'm so excited to to get this time with you today is not because you're this uh, very accomplished disc golfer, though. That is really cool to me. The thing is, I think you're a very interesting human being. You have such a story that goes back to being a kid. You, you grew up differently than a lot of people grow up, right? Like I, I'm going to, I'm just going to say some things. All right. You were adopted, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your dad gone at seven, passed away, correct? Yes. And then you found disc golf when you were like a young adolescent, 11, 12-ish. Well, I played my first round of Frisbee golf. When I played my first round of Frisbee golf, I played it on the only Frisbee golf course in the world. Right. Uh, that was in 1976. But I didn't play frequently. Uh, the course was about seven miles away. And when you're, you know, when you're like seven, eight, nine years old, that's the other end of the earth. Yeah. yeah. But my mom, it was within range where I'd go to the park once in a while when my mom took me. But when I was 11, I moved right down the street from the park. Okay. And basically, so that where did you start playing disc golf? I, that actually, I think is, this might have been a decent question this time because I think. It, that's the thing is, it is a good question with you. It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not with everybody else. Yeah. So the short, the short of it yeah. is, he said, I, I grew up in a very blue collar neighborhood, blue collar people my family was was never anything but that and i moved to a very rich straight out of a john hughes movie a town of locking out of flint ridge i i'm like i have no idea what the town's like now so no hate mail but when i was younger it was freaking awful it was kids would get porsches for the 16th birthday and like it was 
that type of wow. It was a John Hughes movie. They were the bad guys in the John Hughes movies, basically. Yes, mm-hmm. and I, I don't recall during the time of when John Hughes movies would have been. Well, that's why he made them because yes. there was that social mm-hmm. thing. It doesn't. Yeah. That's not really a thing anymore. Not really, but back then it was. And so I didn't fit in. I didn't make friends. But right across the street, which basically was the other side of the tracks. There were no tracks, but that other side of that street was Oak Grove Park, which was hippies and people who were out of work and a few people with careers that like playing frisbee golf, but it was the exact opposite. But it was my world, and so that's where I started playing. And I was adopted by the Oak Grove Gophers Frisbee Golf Club. First disc golf club in the country. Yes, it wasn't the first Frisbee club, but it was the first Frisbee golf course club to my knowledge, I, I always, there's this West Coast bias where I, you know, there could have been things, something in Rochester or, you know, Huntsville that happened before then. But I think it was. Uh, but basically, when I look and, back. One second. If, if Frisbee golf wasn't even a sport. Like it was just like it just became a sport in the within the last few years that you started playing. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, the first course went in in 75 and 76 at Oak Grove Park in Pasadena. And what, what were the baskets like? Well, originally they were poles and then the first baskets were handmade baskets. They were they looked they were the similar construction as today's baskets, except that there was a, a 10 single sets of chains, which meant that if you threw an AVR or a golf disc, it's like probably 60 percent chance of cutting through or bouncing out nothing there was nothing to stop it but we were playing with lightweight frisbees back then Mm -hmm. or golf weight whammo frisbees which are just store frisbees but heavier Mm -hmm. it's had an additive that made them heavier no but in hindsight i i feel like i probably was looking for a father figure didn't really realize it at the time but all the men of the oak grove gophers frisbee golf team adopted me Mm -hmm. so they kind of became my dads and every real sense this is back at a time where that was considered okay for to have a a male role model and mentor as a, as a young boy. And there was nothing weird about it. Right. What were uh, your, if you can think of what were some of the alternatives to the direction that you had gone or were, were there none? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't fit in the town I was with. I was miserable. So I wasn't going to go in a good direction. I mean, I struggled anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, even with these mentors, these wonderful people that were looking out for me, I bowled, I played baseball, but I, I, I just, like I hated, I hated where I lived. Like I was miserable. Um, I didn't have friends. I didn't want to be friends with anybody. Like I'm sure there were good kids there. I'm, of course, it's not everybody, but it, it felt like every single person was rich and I wasn't. And by the way, like we were comfortably uh, like upper middle class. Like it, so, like in hindsight, it's, just, it's a perspective, right? But my it's, perspective as a child, yeah. I knew nothing but this world in, in, in my bubble. Within my bubble, I was the poor kid. As, as odd as that sounds, because we weren't. We were far from poor. I mean, my mom probably made more money than almost every single person at at Oak Grove. Like I was like the rich kid to them, probably, but mm. uh, they never treated me that way. I brought it up. I brought up your your origins because I think that it's existed through throughout the course of disc golf history. Is the the like the mentorship that happens and the the guys getting together at a course and and having sort of like people to look up to and and it, I guess the mentorship. Like we have we heard Jesse Sains talking about that on on the episode. It's like mm-hmm. for a lot of the the young kids who come out, like a lot of these young guys that get into disc golf, they have emotional struggles they have mental health struggles they have like guidance and leadership things that are sort of lacking in their lives and they find that when they get into disc golf and i felt like your story was it just articulated it so well well i went i mean when i like from age like say 16 to 18 or 19 i started doing pretty badly as a kid drugs getting into trouble and when i came back to 
I didn't like fully leave, but, but you know, when I kind of kind of straightened things out when I was like 19 ish, I, I really wanted the respect of these people. Like mm-hmm. that really mattered to me. And mm-hmm. and I, I really didn't give a two shits about what anybody else in the world thought like it, but what these people thought of me mattered dearly. And so I wanted to make them proud of me. And I wanted to, I mean, to this day, if you hear me being interviewed, I'll talk about the old timers in the game from the, from the seventies and eighties mm. with reverence. I still want them to respect me. I, I still pay homage to them all the time because I hope they hear that I'm still trying to keep their memory alive or, you know, so mm. they're still <laughs> the most important people to me. I don't think I realized I'm not at the shop as much as you are obviously Sean, but I am seeing a bit of that mentorship as like, you know, I'm there maybe once a week or once every yeah. couple of weeks, but Sean's there every day, but I see the younger kids coming in and I see them watching the older crowd. I see them emulating hopefully what we are doing and not right. what some of the bullshit older crowd mm-hmm. is doing because obviously there's you know some give and take in that. But to hear that and to see where you've gone and to have you understand where you came from and realize that that's what you saw gives me hope because it's tough for me to see that in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I am starting to notice you know, some of the younger guys, when they, the way they act and who they talk to and the way they respond to some of the not so great aspects of what we see at disc golf tournaments totally. uh, is is really giving me hope. And it's great to hear that you realized that. Even now, I don't know if you realized it back then, but no, I, I, in I hindsight. Did. I did because <laughs> the people that I looked up to didn't respect the type of person I was, but they were kind to me and they loved me. I was part of their family. I'm part of the Frisbee family. Like we all loved each other. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But I know they didn't like me. And Why do you I wanted, say that? I wanted them to like me because I was an asshole. I was a stupid punk idiot kid. Um, okay, this is true story, which, by the way, these, some of these stories, when I look back, they're hope. I mean, I do find the humor in those, but if you can imagine being in the moment, what this was like, oh my God, this is awful. Like in the moment, there was no laugh track. Well, no, but no. When no, you tell there, the story, there now, was to me. It's different. Yeah, in his head, there was. Yeah. <laughs> so when I won my first, like, really big tournament, uh, the 1987 Wintertime Open, uh, it's listed at the PDJ, whatever, as a C tier. Like, that's stupid. There was, like, only one tournament in a sport that had a larger first place prize. Like people from all over the country came to this tournament. It was a who's who of wow disc golfers. And, and when I was 17 years old, I won it. And I was such an asshole that before the final nine, and the way it used to work back then is you'd play the tournament and then the top three or four, top four people would play a final nine holes just for them. And then you're, you had a gallery of the other players. No one came out to actually watch right, the players. Right. Can I cut you off and ask two quick questions just yes. for the listeners that don't understand how it, tournaments used to look back in the day? What division were you playing and what was what was the... Uh, oh, it was pro open. I mean, there was exactly. only, there was like only there one division. There were only a few. That is my point is that maybe people that are listening now that don't understand that. Yeah, there was a men's division, there was a pro division and a women's division. And eventually they started opening up like 40 and older, 50 and older, but it was pro. Yeah, you just you signed up. You were a pro. That's why it's the Professional Disc Golf Association. You were a professional because you paid your ten bucks and got a card that said you're a pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody played for money, whether you won money or not. No, it was terrible. I mean, it was it was great for the three people who were good, and <laughs> but everyone else was just donating. It sounds yeah, like yeah, leagues right. today. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but without divisions, it was like on steroids, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you know, the best thing that happened when we broke in divisions, more divisions, age protected. It's great. Yeah. So I was playing against the best. I was playing. There were I don't know five six world champions that I was playing against. Mm-hmm. And I'm 17 years old. And before the final nine, I got a white T-shirt. And on the back of it, with a big Sharpie and big letters, I just wrote, thought I wouldn't, with a question mark, Ooh. on the back of my shirt. Ooh. And then when I played the final nine, 
every time I made a good shot, everybody would clap, and I would just turn my back to the crowd and Ooh. point at my back and walk away from them. Wow. <laughs> yes. You, now, are the, you are the villain in the movie. Yes. But you yeah, were yeah. 17. <clears throat> no, and it's right. a different time back then, right? I mean, there was like a skateboarding type of culture. And like, I'm not saying it was the same thing, but give me a break. No one likes that guy. <laughs> we talk about that a lot, that, that disc golf culture evolved, uh, is evolving in this in a very similar way to, to skateboarding culture. I think Sean's the right person to talk about that. You bring it up all the time. I do. And, and I love to hear that uh, validation from you as well. But it's not like that now. I mean, like, it's not even close to that. Look, if, if, if you were planning on asking me, because I get this question probably 50% of the podcasts I do, I'll answer it in advance. Because the question I get is, okay, you were on the Disc Golf Pro Tour for a year. Give us the juicy gossip. Or or some version of, okay, well, we won't record it, but once the mics are off, tell us the juicy gossip on the tour. Tell me, tell us all the stories. And I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm going to let you in on something. You're about to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> everybody on tour is basically nice. And kind of everybody likes each other and it, it, the people that don't like each other get along there's a the, that's is it there, would there's, you say there's a, a sense of uh it's we're no, we're in this together i don't know about that it's just it's a very surreal thing because there's now real money there's mm-hmm. real money there's people's livelihoods when you're playing for money that changes people right and you're playing for more money than it's at a league night that people argue over league nights and everyone kind of roots for each other all the kids on tour are good kids and that's the god's honest truth I like every single player I competed with. There's not one person I'm like, I don't like that person. There's a few people maybe, oh, we have different personalities. I don't see us going out to lunch together. But I don't mm. dislike them. They're they're respectful to me. I'm kind to them. There's no animosity. Mm. So it's it's everyone's cool. And that is a little different than like, you know, some of the skating, surfing, other alternative sports cultures, certainly different than major sports, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm sorry, like everybody's like just kind of pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would almost say from a marketing perspective, that's a detriment. Yeah, I was just going to say because of all but, of the but I'll social choose media. That, but I choose that detriment over the alternative, yeah, right. right? I mean, yeah. like I don't want to be MMA. I don't want to uh, talk. And, mm, yeah. You know who understands that really well, I think, is Brody. And he, he does play a little bit of the... Oh, he's an antagonist. Yeah, a he bit? knows because yeah. he's a great marketer. We talked about this not long ago. He he, he knows how to get absolutely. Yeah. But the thing about Brody is like he's got a very strong personality. But everybody likes Brody, and the people uh, just about, and the people that maybe don't like him because maybe he's got a strong personality. They don't like they don't like hate him or dislike him. It's right. kind of like ah, that's not he. Maybe he's not my cup of tea. But nobody's like oh, he's. A bad guy. All I wanted to say is we, that we get, you know, when you brought up the marketing, the, the benefit of the marketing of if there were sort of clashing personalities, and I think Brody understands that really well, and he's he walks the line, I think, uh, in, a, in a very smart way. Yeah, I'll give you an example of Brody. When you finish your round, there's a, an autograph booth. And I watched this happen in Waco because I actually played a really good first round at Waco, like a 1043 rated round first mm-hmm. round. Brody had a good first round. So we were on like the third card or something like that. And by the third card, there's an autograph line um, at the autograph booth. And the idea is you finish your round, you sit down at the booth, you sign, and then at the very least, you stick around until the next card takes your spots and you move on. Hmm. That's the minimum you should do. It's not mandatory because there are people that kind of, you know, they kind of pout a little bit and they kind of a little upset. And again, I'm not, they're not bad kids. It's just that Mm -hmm. they're just not maybe handling the bad round as professionally as they could. But they're not rude. They kind of just go off to their to be alone, yeah. right? But anyways, I don't think you should do that. I think that these are the fans. These are the people that come out. So I played around with Brody. And if you know Hole 18 at Waco, it's a nightmare. 
And there's and there's it's so windy on that hole, and I I couldn't remember, but I, if I get this wrong, but I think he got a double bogey on his final hole and went from a kind of decent round yeah, to a mediocre. I remember, round. yeah, he really gave it a yeah, a he rip. did, yeah. And and I just watched him walk over to the booth and put this big smile on his face and just smiled and took pictures and was mm-hmm. saying hi to all the kids and kneeling down to get a picture and what's your mm. name how you doing and they're like exactly what you're supposed to do and I know for a fact inside his head he was like pissed at himself probably disappointed mm-hmm. but he was professional yeah. We saw the same thing here. He came to Clash, one of our big tournaments. We met him while he was practicing with Ezra, and he was off in his own world. We chatted for a few minutes. He was obviously focused on what he was doing. We left him alone. But the moment he was done, he was at the edge of the player area where the fans could meet the players, and he sat there and signed autographs and Mm -hmm. talked with kids for far longer than he could have. It was exactly the same thing. Exactly. And that's that's Mm -hmm. what I mean. It's professional. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so he's like I said, every single person, I'm not talking about Brody, any person with a strong personality isn't going to be liked by everybody. Mm -hmm. That's what having a strong personality is, right? You're not like, you're not on the fence, but he's professional and he's kind and honest and fair and like, you know. I don't know. I, I mean, I personally like him. I think we're all fans. I I had no intention of talking about Brody before this uh, interview. I just once you brought right. up marketing, I wanted to. I don't know. I just came well. Out so here's me. the thing too: is that if if you're a young player on tour, you go grab Brody and ask him how he's making money. Like w- like what are you doing? Like any player on tour that's not named Paul, Ricky, or Simon that isn't asking Brody what he does is wrong. Mm-hmm. Because he's better at that part of the job than you. Mm. You you can learn something from him. By the way, totally. I'm also in this group. I mean, it's, but it's true. Yeah. Last, when I was out on tour, I'm going to ask you what, like, I'm going to lean over to ask uh, Adriana, like, how many people did I take out to lunch or to dinner? Probably like, yeah, probably like once a week. I would grab a, a young player, take him out to dinner, somebody who I thought was screwing up their marketing. And I'm like, you just weren't doing a good job. And I just took him out to dinner. I said, hey, I'll buy you dinner. And then I just lectured him for like an hour. <laughs> but I was mentoring them. I'm mm-hmm. trying to just help them do the things that, because they're twenty, like what, I didn't know anything when I was twenty. Why? Why? Should, how? Like how can you expect them to know anything about business when you're twenty? Sure, of course not. Yeah. Someone has to teach them. But if someone's not taking you out to dinner, go up to Brody and say, "I'll buy you dinner if I can talk to you about marketing for half an hour." I bet he says yes. If Dude, you're a player, if you're a player on tour, I've got about a thousand other questions. You were quoted on a one, one of the podcasts that I I, I never heard of the show before but it seems good uh life passion and business podcast you said i didn't want to work for someone else who will ultimately have control over my life so i dropped out of college and i hit the road correct what were you doing at that time and th- that sort of like sparked that quote sure absolutely and and now and and the reason i wrote it down is because i I looked you up on LinkedIn. I saw you were in software sales. I saw you were like you had you ended up having a corporate job at some point. So I wanted to, to understand crank call, crank call. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to understand where no, that that was my first real job. I, I, I made it to age like forty eight before having my first real job. Mm. Oh, okay, I'll tell you exactly where it came from. So I yeah. was told we were talking this is exactly what I said earlier when I said everybody else wants to tell you how you're supposed to live your life. Well, I was and I think it does still happen today. I was told you need to go to college. In fact, if you don't go to college, you're a, you're you're a loser. It's basically what I was told when I was in school. We think that that sentiment is is fading a little bit, but it's still pretty prevalent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's and and if you're listening and you're a young person, that is the stupidest thing. Like I ain't calling the, the person that said it to you stupid because it might be mom or dad, but that information is bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So that 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 plumber with the three employees, they make far more money than the than the teacher that told you that that you need to go to college. They got a college degree, and yeah. and uh, when they when the poop doesn't go down, or the, the they person who the got the teacher, they're not calling the teacher, <laughs> yeah, or or the person who got a marketing degree and is you know making who's just got like a really ho hum marketing job and yeah, it's, probably it's, doesn't love it. It's so dumb. Call, college isn't dumb. College is perfect for like that twenty three percent of people that want those twenty three percent of jobs, but it's mm-hmm. not the only path. Mm-hmm. I was told it was. So when I when I was going to get my life together at age twenty years old, I went to college for three semesters. I did really well. And sometime in, during the third semester, I was working at Kinko's because I was working full time and I worked the full time graveyard shift and went to school in the day, which is really hard. But I, you know, I managed to worked do it. all night and went to school all day. Not all day. I mean, I I, I, I part time classes, but wow. I worked, but I worked the full time night Still, job. Still, yeah. And so um, I was working at Kinko's and I had built up um, some time off. And I you know, forget every two months you've earned a day off or whatever. But you earn that day <laughs> you off. two months to get a day off. Yeah. <laughs> no, every two months. Yeah, because you get like five vacation yeah. days a year, five to six, 5.5, yeah. whatever, based on hours worked, right? So that's actually real. You, that's your week's vacation. But they yeah. give it to you like in, a day at a time. Sure. But anyways, the point is I earned this day off with working. So I told my boss like, a couple months or something in advance, I need this Friday off because I'm going to a disc golf tournament. And and he just flipped his shit. He's like, oh my God, you know we can't replace people on the graveyard shift. How am I going to find anybody to do this? And I'm going to get, and he's like, give me the, and I'm like, wait a second. I, I earned this day off. And I'm like literally battling with this guy. He seemed like a grown up at the time. He was probably 25, but in, but <laughs> but, at the time, but I was 20 or 21, right? So he seemed like a grown up to me. <laughs> And and I'm like arguing with this guy, and I'm like the whole time I remember thinking, but I don't care about Kinkos. I care about the this golf tournament I want to go to. This is insane. And so I I battled with him, and finally was like, fine, you can have the day off. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, this the position you're putting us in. And it's like I got the day off, but I, at some point, very quickly after that, I thought to myself, you know, if I finish college, I'm going to be basically doing this exact same thing someday. I'll be being paid more money, but ultimately, someone else is going to have control over my life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I just I, I finished the semester, but I said I I can't I yeah. can't do this I can't yeah. not be free. And even if you're given the day off, you're made to feel terrible about it. Yes, like yeah. that's that's worse than not getting the day off. I think yeah. in some cases, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like like and you know the thing is when I as a self employed person, I have worked far more than forty hours a week the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single day that I've worked. That I had to. I that's think that's a difference. really important point that I, I don't think people are afraid of work. I don't think people are generally lazy. I think most people are just trapped in a cycle and a, and a routine that they're uninterested. It just dra- drains their energy rather than yeah. reinvigorates them, which I think I would be happy to spend 80 hours a week doing the shit that I loved. I'm traveling around right now. Every single weekend, I'm doing four clinics, four two-hour clinics, and I'm doing one or two full-day seminars. So I'm teaching six classes a week in person, and I'm also teaching my online class, which is twice every every uh, couple Tuesdays a month. So just teaching alone is like a full-time job on top of all the marketing scheduling, all all the other businesses that I run. Like I work really like, – I'm not complaining, but I mean I work really, really hard. But – Every single seminar, if I didn't want to schedule one that day, I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. It's I, I am free. I'm not, you're not, look, you're never completely free if you, if you need to earn a living. <laughs> you're right. still, you're still a slave to like having to, to take care of yourself. Yeah. But it's not the same as someone else controlling. And so now let me be clear about something. Like I said earlier about finding your own path. 
This is not that this is a superior way to live or that I'm better than anybody because of it. Because my best friend, who's really, really successful, the last thing in the world he would ever want to do is run his own business and have that responsibility. He loves the fact that he he's a senior database programmer for for uh, Oracle database programmer. He makes great money, and he can shut his brain. And off when he's at done working, o'clock. he can give two shits about about business, and he can forget all about it. When he takes off for two weeks, doesn't think about it. Like yeah. I, I wake up and start working, so it's not like you know, am I do I have a better life than him? Yes, for me, he wouldn't have a better life doing what yeah. I do because it's the exact opposite. When he's with his kids, he doesn't think about work at all. It comes back mm-hmm. to knowing it's finding yourself. what he wants, mm-hmm. and he yeah. loves the fact that he just gets the paycheck and doesn't, you know, yeah. So it's it's not that my way is better; it's my way is better for me. Sure, I want to jump ahead here and Please. get into uh, Blue Power Disc Golf. Yes, happy to let's, talk about. Let's that. talk about that a little bit. Let's get some origin stories and and where we are. Bring us up to date with that. For okay. the record, we almost dyed our beards blue just to make you feel really comfortable and welcome <laughs> yeah. today. So blue power was something I that dyed I dyed my eyebrow hairs blue. <laughs> yeah. And then but, you shaved them yeah, off but so I, one, too long. But just, like yeah, it was just the one long to hear you. <laughs> so basically what blue power was, when I came back to the sport in 2015, and I've, I've told this story a million times, so I, I, I won't have to rehash it, but uh, I, I quit. I didn't play from basically from 2001 till 2014. A lot of those years went well. Towards the end, it didn't go well. Substance abuse had some big problems. Really like the lowest point in my life in 2013, 2014. Came back to the sport and was looking for things that gave me value. And coming back to the sport and getting praise for being good at Frisbee and all those things gave me value. But I was still seeking more things. So what I did was I said, you know, well, the short of it is I was running my clinics, my professional clinics. And I used to say that they are for everyone because they were free, right? Every mm. one of my clinics I did, I've done more than 500 clinics, disc golf throwing clinics for free in, in 500 cities. I said they are totally inclusive. They're free. Everybody can come. And then someone pointed out to me, they said, yeah, but what if someone has autism? How does that include them? And I went, it's free. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> and I realized that, that it wasn't. And it was kind of like this epiphany that, oh, you know what? It, you know, it's not really for people in wheelchairs. It's not really for someone who's blind. And I was trying to be inclusive by making it free. And by the way, I'm very proud of, of that fact. I'm not shitting on myself. Like, I'm very proud of doing all that free. But I realized that. How not, dare you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I realized that's not, it could have been more. But I can't teach the, my professional throwing clinic and include information for someone with autism or someone in a wheelchair because it's a different topic. So I yeah. said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, when I do my clinics, I'm going to do a, a separate clinic an hour before, also free, for anybody who, the, who my regular clinic isn't for. And so when I'm coming to town and I have a 5 p.m. clinic, I'll just advertise that at 4 p.m. is open to anyone um, with special needs. It started off as autism. It became special needs. Mm-hmm. If the regular clinic ain't for you, I'll come an hour early. It could be one person, it could be bus loads, and it's been both. And I said, I'll just teach a class for them. And this is actually, if I can, I, I feel like I'm being all preachy. Is that, it's not the case. Do your thing. Okay. Not at yeah. all. So here, here's one of the lessons I've learned. Uh, it, it's this thing called paralysis by perfection. Is when you have this really cool idea of something you want to do and you plan and you plan and you plan, you try to get all your ducks in your own, try to right. get everything and figure out and factor in all the contingencies and all the scenarios that could go right, could go wrong, all the equipment and all the volunteers and all the permits. And next thing you know, it's like that idea I had 18 months ago hasn't happened. That's a really bad way to get things done, in my opinion. So what I did 
was I just said, okay. Uh, it was out in Northern California. It was an arcade. I said, uh, or Crescent City was the first one. I said, I'm going to come up an hour early and I'm going to write a class for kids and adults with special needs. And I advertised it. And then I posted it. And then I went, now what? How do I do this? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no yeah. idea how to teach. I knew that if I posted it and I committed to it, okay, now I better, <laughs> I better damn well figure it out because it is scheduled. And so then I had to figure out, come up with the curriculum and come up with all these things. And as, as much as I was able to figure out, by the time the class came, that's what I had to work with because the class is scheduled. And on the first class, nobody came. So it was really easy. It was an easy class. <laughs> but but I, I didn't just do the one. I, I scheduled multiple. So the second one in Arcata, three people came. And, and then that was the start of it. Mm. The person I was traveling with, the woman, um, her son had autism. So I, that's where I kind of learned a little bit about the community. That's who first asked me, well, what about if my son had wanted to come? And I went, oh, yeah, I guess I was, it wasn't for him. Mm. Um, that relationship didn't work out. But I had seen the challenges. You know, she was a great mom, and I, uh, but she, I saw the challenges that she faced as a parent. And that's what kind of got me inspired to do it. Even though the relationship didn't work out, I was now connected to the community. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm coming to town to do a clinic, and I'd get messages. Oh, cool! What time's the special needs class? And that, and now it's just a thing. Yeah, you've got a direct line to Sean's heart right now because Sean and and you did uh, this was like the the ethos of the Terry Miller episode was just start. I don't remember what the name of the episode mm. was, but like just dive in, just dive in. Yeah, you, you have just to jump right into it. Yeah, and people call me all the time, and they said like, "This is not." I mean, uh, I mean, what? Probably once a month. Someone contacts me. They're like, "Oh, I want to teach a class at this this special needs school. I want to I want to run this event. How do I do it?" I go schedule it and call me back. I don't want to talk to you before you schedule it. Schedule it, then I'll talk to you. Like that comes first because then you're just committed, right? Yeah. And then it's like, here's the other thing: you're not going to screw it up, or if you do, you'll figure it out. Yeah, like- but 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 you won't. Like, okay, how do I teach a kids class? Really, you're going to show up with a bunch of frisbees and a couple baskets, and the kids aren't going to have fun. Like, you can't screw this up. Yeah. Well, you think a busload of kids with Down syndrome are going to come out to your special needs class and they're, and they're going to be like, they're not going to have a good time. They're going to be like, oh, that was bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, th- that's not what yeah, happens. That's a funny image. <laughs> yeah. but, but it doesn't happen. Everybody just yeah. has a good time. And the thing is, when with the special needs communities, you cannot plan. Like, you, like, I figured this out. You cannot make a plan because every group is different, every age group, different levels of cognitive ability, physical, developmental, small group, big group. You, you could, you could, I could have a, a van full of, like, say, six kids, uh, say young adults, high-functioning, medium to high-functioning autism who live in a, in assisted living home, and then a mom who brings out um, her kid in a wheelchair to the same class, right? You just got to make the shit up. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. make it up as you go, and then the, and the- you're not going to get it wrong. The preparation yeah. is attitude, right? Like that's the, everything. The preparation is just have the confidence in yourself. The mm-hmm. confidence is that you will figure it out. Well, what happens if this happens? You solve it. Like it's almost like someone says to me when they're asking about it, they're like, well, what happens if I, I'm going to cut you off right here. You solve it, but you don't know what I was going to ask. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. yeah. Right. Questions yeah. are relevant. You'll solve yeah. it. And, and and if you don't solve it, and the world doesn't stop spinning. Yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. a very poignant life lesson that was exactly the same. I had a piece of shit Volkswagen GTI that I drove to work every day. And any time it was wet outside, the steering belt would squeak like crazy. And my boss called it the screaming Mimi because he could hear me coming <laughs> from miles away. <laughs> And I didn't know that the problem was I just needed to tighten tighten the belt. 
So when I got to work one day, I got under the car and I cut that belt off because I thought I needed to replace it. And my boss immediately was like, why did you cut that belt off? And I was like, because I needed to replace it. And he was like, do you know how? And I was like, I hadn't gotten that far. <laughs> and it's the same, like, I started it before I had figured it out. Later on, I remember days later, he was like, I give you all the credit in the world because you didn't know what you were doing, but you knew how to start it. And you knew if you started it, you had to fix that. We, we right. give this lesson all yeah. the time because we're full-time nomads. You know, I mean, everything we own, aside from work stuff, work stuff being my golf bag, maybe merchandise to sale, my tour clothing. Aside from that, every single thing the two of us own, we can fit into two backpacks. Like we don't have a storage unit. We don't have a home base. We don't have a box of stuff at our parents' house. We own six shirts, three pairs of shorts, three pairs of underwear, three pairs of socks, our shoes, our phones, our bathroom stuff, and medicine and a laptop. That's it. A couple hats. A couple and hats. That's it. Gotta have those hats. Right. So we're full-time nomads. And- People ask us all the time, they're like, well, what if you're in a city and stop, you solve it. Mm -hmm. But what if you need stop, you buy it. Well, what if they don't have it? Stop, you do without. You don't need to know the details. It's that paralysis by perfection that just, that, it's that anxiety of the unknown. And people don't trust their own ability. Like everybody, like what happens if, if, what happens if the water heater stops working at my house? I don't know anything about water heaters. Yeah, but what you do know is that 100% of people, barring financial reasons, whose water heater breaks, end up with a water heater that works. No one no one who has the money has ever been like, oh, I've taken cold showers for 18 months. I, I'll, I'll never <laughs> yeah, yeah. figure this out. I just yeah. don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. But but the anxiety over what am I going to yeah. do if yeah. it happens right. is real. And it's like, yeah. no, you can trust yourself. You my wife was having that too with my child when like she was just figuring out how to start reading. And obviously it's a struggle at first for every four or five-year-old to like even get them to be interested in it. And my wife was like, what if it takes her too long? I was like, how many adults do you know that don't read? Everybody knows how to read. She'll figure it out. It's going to happen. People ask that, like, what if I move? Like, I, I like, I hate where I live. I'm like, well, then you need to move. <laughs> well, like, okay, well, that's, that's easier said than done. Well, of course, of course it's not easy. It's a challenge, right? But here's the question. How many people have came to your town who moved there that didn't have a job lined up mm -hmm. are currently sleeping in the park. I'm not talking about people, homeless people, people mm -hmm. with mental health issues, but, but regular people that are, you know, that functional members of society that move to a new town, zero mm -hmm. are currently living in the park. Everyone solves it. So it's like, it's, it, it can be scary. You can be anxious, but don't not do it. Trust you'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So is that your, when you have uh, a clinic, where you have people that have challenges in their life. Do you approach that with that? Like, do you try to put that thought into their head as well? Uh, I mean, like the special needs classes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. I mean, de developmental and physical are two totally different things. For sure. Uh, with developmental issues, I, I, I just basically am very soft and kind and gentle and positive and just work with their own abilities, trying to find what things are going to make them happy, see what they can do, try to get them wins. When people um, have physical disabilities, I'm just mean to them. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> Fair works, enough. that's that's the that's way. That's the way to go. Yeah. No, you want, you, if you don't believe me, there's a video uh, when I was like, uh, when I was in Germany and I played around a disc golf against maybe the best wheelchair disc golfer in the world. And, and I smoked him. And he's like, he's like, did you, did, and I, well, I played from a wheelchair also. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh. We both played from wheelchairs, but it's like, look, there's people in wheelchairs 
who will get better at playing in a wheelchair than I ever could because they're experienced at playing in wheelchairs. Right. But if you've been playing the sport one or two years, you're not going to beat me in a wheelchair because I have less yeah. experience in the wheelchair, but I got 40 years of experience, right? That's just reality. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, did you have to like beat me like so badly in my home course? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like we, we were competing. And from my experience, people with physical disabilities are so much mentally stronger on average than, than regular people at large. And yet people... <laughs> want to go gentle on them and i'm like they're way tougher than you brother mm, like yeah. they like look at what they do every day just to make it through their day right like right if they can do that they can handle jokes i've never met a person with a physical disability that got offended at jokes i've i've yet to see it right it's 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 people that aren't even they get offended for them really? yeah. what is that about yeah I yeah, know. I had I had a person on my my podcast who was a disc golfer who had one arm, and and I asked him what other sports you played and, and when you were younger. He says, "Well, I used to swim." And I said, "Was the pool like in a circle?" <laughs> right? I'm like, "That's funny," you, but he but he laughed his he, he laughed. <laughs> He laughed his ass off because it's like, you know, I'm not going to like, yeah. so like when I say I'm mean, I'm not mean. I mean, these are my people. Yeah. But that's it's like, love. I'm, I'm going to yeah, that's, that's, that's love. love for it's, sure. If you treat them the way you treat everybody else, that's love. I treat them. I just, they're just one of the guys or one of the girls. Yeah. Oh boy. Don't want to get on a soapbox here, but they're not one of the guys and girls who are like maybe a little more sensitive than they were when I was younger. They're basically like the way all of us were in the 70s like we we had a sense of humor so yeah so i'm not mean except when they're mean to me which they are sometimes yeah it's okay <laughs> to call that you think you are <laughs> be mean to me <laughs> I, you know and by the way i hate the word inspirational and usually they do too it's like it's not an inspiration to get up and go to work i, I knew a woman who was um who taught at high school in a wheelchair and people said oh my god you're so inspirational she's like why because i have a job i'm not like don't call me inspirational that's insulting yeah right mm. so this, but by the way, it took me a long time to learn this. Like yeah. I, I still treaded very, very softly at first until I learned. Okay, I can get away with this. Then I'm like, oh shit, I can say whatever I want to you. Game on. <laughs> You're gonna game yeah, I on. Think, by I the think way, people's the, hearts are in the right well, place. And they'll also, yeah. Well, they'll give it back too. Yeah. So yeah. So anyways, yeah. The, uh, that's I, I've come to like. I've come to like people like who have any type of challenge in life. Generally, are a little easier to get along with because they're not as soft. I have two more questions before, and, and then we have the mailbag to get to. For sure. All right. So on the subject of just diving in and figuring things out, you're obviously very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> From writing the book to your own barbecue sauce, you have just jumped in and figured things out. And the book and the barbecue sauce are two things that specifically I'm fascinated by. I want to know. So the book there it's you and Aaron Rath are the names on the cover. Mm-hmm. How did you approach the situation where you're like, I'm going to write a book or how did this idea come to, all right, this how is, did it come this to is a great wh- story. This is yeah. another kind of like lesson. If I'm, if I'm in that role, it's, I, I think I am at times. Um, Aaron Rath is, uh, was an employee of mine. Uh, when I was running my internet businesses, he did programming and other, you know, graphic design work for me. And we just stayed friends. And he's also written a bunch of books. He's a very good writer. Here's how the book was came about. So it started with my entire life, I always said, I'm going to live a life that is worth writing a book about. Like whether that is, turns out good or bad, it's not going to be boring. Um, and I, I try, I think I accomplished that part, but I wanted to write the book. I always wanted to write a book, but it obviously takes a lot of time. So I lost my job doing software sales in, in Fort Collins, and there was only a couple companies and, and I couldn't get in, in with those companies there. So I had to take a job in Denver, which was an hour each way commute. And I was like, that's 10 hours a week in a car. Well, I know that pain. So I'm well. like, well, I am not wasting 10 hours a week in the car listening to music. So instead, what I did is I took my phone 
I drew an outline, and every day to and from work, I recorded my autobiography mm. onto my phone. Cool. This just in: Scott Stokely hates music. Mm. Yes, just in. <laughs> yep. No, I just was like, I can't. I couldn't imagine like just wasting that time. You know, like, oh my god, I can't wait to get there. Let me just turn my brain off for an hour. I'm like, ten hours a week? No way. Five hundred hours a month? That's crazy to me. You know, like, I, like I'm going to make use of that time. So then I, I did that. I recorded it, Aaron. And, Wrath transcribed it, and then we went through the editing process. It took like 12 months of editing or something. Mm-hmm. So okay. That, that's how that came about. I have a question, and I've been dying to ask this. I read this book maybe two or three years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. From the moment that I finished the book, I have been wondering, and it's directly related to you possibly recording in the car or whatever. There are so many dates, and there are so many places, and there are so many names that it is unfathomable to me that someone could recall all of that without researching, taking the time to go back. It's is actually that no, how, it's actually quite easy. I knew you were going to say that, but I cannot imagine <laughs> no. how that works. Sure, yeah. I, that Sean is, has the ability as well. I'm, no, no, no. It's actually way easier than you think. Uh, so the majority of the stories took place in or around disc golf tournaments. Go to pdj.com, year by year, tournament by tournament. Oh, the Ohio State Championships. Okay, I got third place there. Okay, Steve Wise Cup won, and nothing really happened. Next tournament, Mississippi Open. Oh, that's when I met Scott Markin. Oh, that's right. They Boom, okay. story. So there was a little bit of that. It's not just... No, no, no. I went through... I just went through the, I could see every single tournament I ever mm-hmm. played, uh, barring some overall tournaments, distance tournaments, which I could, there's not that many of those mm-hmm. I could remember. So yeah, so all the records were there. And then that just was a springboard to the memory. Oh, well, I got, I, I finished, I didn't finish well at that tournament. What happened? Oh, that's right. That one night, the mm-hmm. night before, you know. <laughs> because I'll get messages from like <laughs> former classmates and I won't even remember their name. Like that I even knew them. And I'm like, how the Come on. did Scott do this with this book? <laughs> like every page is just names and dates and places. No, I also crazy. I also really wanted to make sure that it was accurate because it's also a history of disc golf. And I did my it is. very, very best. Oh, very much it is. Yeah. I, I tried so hard to make sure I got the names right and the dates right and got the stories right. It was really important to me mm-hmm. to not get it wrong. So I, but it's, I could research stuff and I would make phone calls. You know, like every story in the book, uh, that was about somebody, uh, I sent him the story and said, are you comfortable with me telling that story? I had a couple people tell me no. Okay. Like, you know. I can imagine because there's a couple of stories What are those stories? stories? Yeah. Give it to, well, <laughs> give it to us. There's well, just I mean, a couple of stories in there where I thought, I wonder if the person knows that this is published. So I'm really happy to hear Everybody signed off on it because there was a couple of stories where they're like, look, that's a great story. I got kids now. Yeah, right. Don't post that story. And I'm like, yeah, not, this is not a tell-all. Mm-hmm. Uh, these weren't important stories anyways. These are just side stories about that one night. Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. it got rid. I wanted, way, I wanted to touch on that, though, because if any, any listeners who hear this and they're wondering if they should check this book out, like, oh, my God, yes. Check the book out. Yeah, it's yes, available definitely. at Amazon.com, and I recorded the audiobook myself. Oh, oh I, didn't I didn't know that, read. too. Oh, yeah, I, re- I read the audiobook. Mm. It took two weeks to do it because I actually had a professional sound engineer and, and actually someone – it was done professionally. Basically, I did a – I tried my best. To st- I mean, I tried so hard and put so much time and effort into doing effectively a mediocre job reading it. <laughs> and then by, by – but by the time they were done with it, it sounds fantastic. It sounds like I'm really good at this. That's what I have to do to all these guys. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not. I wasn't good. I was. I was. I was okay. But the engineer, you know, took out all the breath noises, took out all the ums, mm-hmm. put all the spacing in between every sentence. Like one of the things you don't notice when you like when you listen to an audiobook, And by the way, the fact that you don't notice it is a testament to how well it's done. Mm-hmm. For example, 
all the time gaps between paragraphs and between chapters are the exact same length. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you don't notice the gaps between chapters and paragraphs because that's just the flow of the book. You take out the breath noises, you take out the ums, you adjust the audio. So when I'm away from the microphone and towards the mic, and next thing you know, it's like, oh my God, mm -hmm. like I sound so good when it was, I know, I honestly, I gave myself an honest to God, uh, a C plus. And the, at the end result is it's an A minus. Listeners should understand that that is how every episode of the show goes. For yeah. sure. Uh, we we <laughs> yes. are all B, C level uh, podcasters. We're solid, Ryan dude. makes yeah. us sound like A's. Yes. Easily. No, it's true. A-holes. Uh, A-holes. A's. Yeah. Yeah. A's. <laughs> For sure. Oh, by the way, as far as the barbecue sauce. Yes. That I can California. Up, all the way. I will sum up that barbecue sauce in two sentences. California oh, all the way. In just yep. two sentences. <laughs> Sentence number one, my phone call to Adriana where I said, hey, just a heads up, I just spent $20,000 on barbecue sauce. <laughs> For, before you tell me the second sentence, I, in my head, was like, somebody must have reached out to you that was a fan and was like, Scott, we should put your name on barbecue sauce. Is that how it happened? Or did you go... I'm gonna make some no. damn barbecue sauce. Like, how did no? There's no. I I don't I don't know how it wound up in this position. But someone contacted me and they said, "Hey, we want to put your face on barbecue sauce." This is no. This is this is exactly how it happened. Uh, and by the way, I'm she's behind me. Shake your head if the, if I'm making up a word of this. This was <laughs> this was the conversation. Hey, I want to put your face on barbecue sauce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the person said, "Wait, we haven't even discussed money yet." And I said, "I already said yes." <laughs> wow. Shut up and take my money. Is it money. still available? I just finished my fourth. Like, okay, I, let me. So, I just finished so the first sentence was, I just spent $20,000 yeah, yeah, on barbecue yeah. sauce. <laughs> the second sentence is, uh, would you like to buy $19,000 worth of barbecue sauce? <laughs> it so, would be $19,030. Uh, we, we just uh, now, it's been around for two years. Um, it was a, it was a flop. Uh, we, are, we are going, we just decided to get rid of it. It might still be good, but there's, it's not at this point. You know, I, I'm not selling enough to justify mm -hmm. any risk of it might not be. Look, if I was making millions of dollars, I would risk giving you salmonella. Sure. But <laughs> I, I won't risk. I won't risk. It's a shame. I, I enjoyed almost every killing single you bottle. for, for yeah, $8 they were great. a month. There was yeah. four different no, flavors. I enjoyed them all. They're on rotation on the top shelf of the door. Yeah. Shipping, the shipping costs and labeling. Uh, it was just, it was a, so, okay. It, it was a bad idea, but it wasn't a bad idea. The reason it wasn't a bad idea was because. The reason I have been successful is because I try stuff. Mm -hmm. And in order to tr to have things that have worked, some things fail. But the mindset of I'm going to try it yeah. is the exact same mindset that said I'm going to write a book. It's the exact same mindset that said I'm going to golf carts. the exact same mindset that said I'm going to do seminars all over the country. Like It's the exact same approach. And it, it just happened to flop. But so what? It was good, man. It, it's great sauce. It's yeah. wonderful barbecue sauce. It's yeah. like spend an extra dollar a bottle to make it real sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup, which was like 30% more cost, which from a business, that's a bad move. Mm -hmm. But I was like, no, it's better with real sugar. But yeah, whatever though. I mean, you know, I you guess, try stuff. I guess the reason I asked you is because I wanted to understand if you are proactively going, where can my next successful venture come from? And you're just... You, know, you have ideas or, or, or was this and the book and, and some of these other things like people are coming to you because they want to work with you and then and, and you're just getting to pick from like, they're, oh, there's every, this opportunity they're this. all my idea. So here, I'm going to, I'm going to go off into a, a complete uh, self-congratulatory rant. We do that constantly. <laughs> do you here, do so that? You're, you're great. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I enjoy. 
So I am the I am the first player to write their autobiography. Um, I'm the first player to run throwing clinics. I'm the first player to run traveling events. I'm the first player to merchandise, like really merchandise at Tournament Central. I'm the first player to travel around the country doing private lessons. I'm the first person to do full day seminars. I'm the first person to do video lessons. I had the first tour, the first signature series just that made a good live that were actually paid real money. I'm the first person to sell mystery boxes for my store. I'm the first person to do Disc of the Month Club. Every way that players make money, I basically did all of them first. And by all, put quotes around all. Like I'm not, but that's what's fun to me. What's fun to me is making up the ideas. Seeing what sticks. I, I could never buy a franchise. I don't care how much money it makes. That would just bore the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. I like coming up with ideas, but it doesn't mean every idea is good. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be. Yeah, of course, there's, perfect, of course yeah. there's bad ideas. Barbecue sauce. But so for me, like it's innovating. I want to innovate. I want to come up with new ways. You know, like I, I started, like I'm the first person to offer this this uh, interactive um, online class. Um, not the first person to do an online course. Uh, I believe Will Schustrich did that first. But my class is live. It's interactive. You, I have, you go to scottstokely.net. You can sign up for my six-month online class. I do, there's online form reviews. You're constantly uploading videos. So it's a fully interactive class. And I'm the first person to do that. And other people are, are doing online classes. There'll be people that do it like mine. And it doesn't bother me a bit because by the time they're copying me, I'm off to doing something else first. Sure. And that's what I, but that's what I enjoy. But that's also high risk. Like that, that leads to failing a lot more, but I'd rather fail and have fun than. That's why you were you know, able to write a book. Cause you got stories. Cause you've been trying things. You've been exploring. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Nobody who's like, look, nobody with a, a, <laughs> a two parent household, like who was raised with a stable family setting and, and has, has had just had a, had a successful life has ever written an autobiography worth reading. It's like, you got to fuck up to have an interesting life is, is, you know, not that I wish that upon anybody, but it is a lot more fun than look at how great I am. Look at what I do. <laughs> Cause in my book, mm-hmm. I'm very honest. I don't hold back on, like I said, I, I don't mm-hmm. share other people's stories. Yeah. There's not a single story about me that I won't share. You know, it's like I, I, I actually decided before I wrote the book that I was either going to be completely honest or not write the book. And that was not – I didn't immediately make the decision to write the book. I had to really think about this because mm-hmm. once you – you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Like once you, mm-hmm. like once I tell people that like that I was sleeping in my van before a tournament and that I had a, a dream that I had gotten up and left the van to go to the bathroom and then I, then I <laughs> pissed in my sleeping bag – like once you tell that story, you can't untell it. Right. So now everybody like has read my book, has read, but it, it's not an interesting book if it's just like, wow, sure. look at how cool I am. Look totally. at all the cool shit. I, I mean, I did so many cool, cool things, but then I've, I've also failed as much as I've succeeded. I cannot overstate to listeners how compelling the book is. Uh, I know you're, you're not for the for the record. Scott's not here to promote his book. He he just agreed to do the show because um, he, actually, you were telling us before. <laughs> you told uh, us before. Uh, you say yes to wait, pretty wait, much wait, wait, every wait, wait, podcast wait, wait. interview opportunity. Of course, I'm here yeah. to promote my my business <laughs> and my. That is, I'm doing it for you because I'm so <laughs> Thank in you. love with it. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, go to Amazon or no, I'm sorry, go to scottstokely.com. Dot net yeah. and, and I'll get to like the extra four percent affiliate commission. So go to scottstokely.net yes. to buy the book. <laughs> he just he just threw up a, a thumbs up for you guys. No, I forgot we set up an affiliate program so I could be an affiliate to my own book and get an extra four percent because that's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot more things, but I think the fun way to do this is yeah. let's do one minute or two minutes of speed round questions. Boom. Throw a quick question. You get like you got to answer it without a whole story, just quick answer. Okay. Mm. 
speed dating okay, questions. I will try, but I have if I have a story, I can't stop myself. <laughs> Coffee. I know I'm putting everybody on the spot. Yeah. So yeah. I'll try and get us started. Hold on. Name a podcast you love aside from Joe Rogan. Aside from Joe Rogan. Oh, Jim Cornette. Easy. Damn it. I want to expand on that because I don't know who that is, but next question. Okay. Yeah. Does what? anybody know? No. Okay. okay well, so, we're just a Google search away, so don't worry. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the best. Uh, what do you think the worst invention or idea in disc golf thus far has been? That's such a good question. Oh, my God. Okay. Now that's a tough one without thinking about it. The worst invention in disc golf. Okay. So I'm going to give, okay, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm not answering the question. There is no such thing as a, as a bad invention in disc <laughs> I golf. I knew you were going to say Because this. everything is trying something and like every single stupid disc configuration that's outside the box right? Every single one of them is amazing because that might have been the 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 thing that made it fly mm. 8% farther and changed the game and made that person a millionaire. So like, how can you say it's a bad idea? Like there's a disc that, that Jan Sobel uh, from Destiny slash Dynamic, the original Dynamic disc in the 80s came out with called the Dimple. And it was just a crappy little disc that had a bunch of dimples on it, just like a golf ball. Mm-hmm. And it, it was not a good disc. <laughs> but how do you know it's not a good disc until right. you make the thing? Mm-hmm. Right. So is it a bad invention? No. It's a brilliant invention that didn't fly well. <laughs> so, no, I, I really, you know. Yeah, fair enough. That's Good fine. question. I, smart uh, answer. Kind of, kind of, I, know, I know that's, by the way, I know that's a crap answer. Uh, it's fine. But it's, but it's, what it's, I, fine. it's really what I believe. It's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's respectable. Good. All right, here's mine. How far away are we from having DGPT masters coverage specific masters events masters only as much as we are seeing disc golf pro tour right now in my opinion like when is that going to happen yes it won't and 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 not because i don't want it to not because these aren't my friends not because i'm not the candidate that might fit into that that category but where do we see that in other sports like the only sport i can think of where where the masters ever had anything was golf because it was an individual sport that you could do when you're older. So like you can't do boxing and stuff when you're older. And some of these people had names, but even then the only time the masters, I like as a, as a kind of a passive fan was when you had Arnold Palmer, Gary player, Jack Nicholas, you had these iconic names that I don't think you have in today's golf game uh, since tiger and Phil. Mm. Right. I'm not saying they're not better now, but they're not iconic like those names. And even then that was like once or twice a year. It's look. It's sports is about the, it's about the pinnacle of human ability. It's like you know, oh, that model has an unobtainable level of beauty. Oh, it's, oh no, it's like uh, sports is about an unobtainable <clears throat> level of athleticism that the rest of us can't do. I, I don't want to watch Irish people play basketball. I want to see LeBron play basketball. <laughs> Why you got to call out the Irish? <laughs> yeah, call out the Irish. No, you know what I'm saying? Like that's like I don't, I don't, I don't want to see. I don't care who you are. I don't want to see brown belts fight in a karate tournament, yeah. even if yeah. they're brown belts because they're 50, which is so impressive. Like that's not what I'm. That's not what I watch sports. So right. I don't think it'll happen, even though I wish it would. That's a great answer. Mm. Badass. Jason. Can I DM you on Instagram every once in a while when I'm feeling blue and you can just send me an inspirational message every once in a while? Yeah. I answer all my messages. When he's pooping. Yep. That's all I need. Between 9 and 10 a.m. You inspired me tonight and I look forward to talking to you in the future about your inspiration. So I live for this though. Like this is not something that I, I mean, look, I take it very serious that people look up to me. They have to. They're six, seven. That's it. Right. Yes. 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 No, but I mean, this is, this is of huge responsibility like i have an obligation like i really at least i feel like i do now i don't feel like anybody else does like i don't think 
you're automatically because you're an athlete, you're a role model. That's bullshit. You're 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 not yep. required to be a role model, but if you choose to be a role model, then you have an obligation. So I have an obligation to teach and be a mentor like the mentors to me. Mm. So anytime I can teach and share what I know, like I failed more than anybody that I know. So therefore, I have knowledge to share. Very cool to hear you say that because as oh, a yeah. 35 year old person, I'm looking up to you, and I've been I've been so looking forward to this interview. Then why did you argue when I was telling you not to to smoke again? Don't come on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I I have no rebuttal to that. Yeah. Uh, okay, but the, don't. That is the reason I've been looking forward to this interview. Is not again, not because you're such an accomplished disc golf legend. It's because you're a very fascinating human. I'm very grateful we've had this time. Okay, so now we've covered a lot. There's a ton left uncovered, but we are going to hear from some of our listeners' questions. So that and that's it's because it's... Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. I am the male in the room, and... It's time to listen to me. Jason, take us to the mail. That wasn't <laughs> too bad. That was not too bad. All right. Our first question of the night is going to come from 54. I just did the math from earlier when you said yeah, your age. Good job. Yeah, good job. 54. Good it just, job it took, this dude, whole time. 107. Finally. It it's one of those old sake. school... Yeah, machines. Which oh, and God, I was not going to be able to sleep tonight, yeah. and then it all came to me. Yeah. Ryan Stilson has our first question. Hey. What were some of your favorite molds slash brands when you were trying out all the smaller slash not well-known companies out there? Uh, I Well, so Castaplast a, a few years ago was a smaller company. They're not anymore, but I obviously love the Berg. I love the Baobab from AGL. I liked the Penny from Ooh. Lone Star. I thought the Penny was a fantastic oh, wow. disc, yeah. very underrated. I think those are probably the ones that really that really stuck out. Nice. I think you will be happy to hear that you liked the AGL disc. Yes, you will be. Because he is sponsored by Gateway. and Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Josh is a great guy. Great mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is. I like everybody. Yeah. All the companies. Like, I don't know anybody there I, out, out there I don't like. And I'm root. I mean, I root for the small guys. I root for the pro shops. I, in fact, I'm going to do a post- I'm about to do a post shortly, not just to kiss your ass because you bought me pizza, hey. but because, uh, I I mean, I might sleep with you because you bought me pizza. All right. Now but, we're talking. Hey. But I won't hey. kiss your ass. <laughs> uh, no, I want to make a post about how it's really important that people support the pro shops because the pro shops put the courses in the ground. They run the leagues. They they put in new benches with that with the 25% of the ace pool money. They, they add to the bench fund. Uh, it's really important as the as Christmas is coming up to just go to the, go to the shop. Like I know Amazon's easy, go down to the shop, buy from the pro shop. It's important. Amen. I mean, it's better for, it's better for all of us. Do it, do it out of your own self-interest, support the people that are going to put another course in the ground. You get to play. Mm. So do it for selfish reasons. Seems so obvious. Yep. Yes, sir. For sure. Paul Letty is going to have our next question. Mm-hmm. He said he just finished your book earlier today when he posted this and he absolutely loved it. Especially the history of the sport. The book ends with you uncertain about your future. What would chapter 40 look like? Ooh, good question. Uh, well, according to Chat TTP, who wrote chapter 40 already. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the reason why the book ended so abruptly, because uh, I'm actually, I'm working on the next book right now. Oh, uh, oh yeah. No, there's going to be, an, uh, I my I plan on my, my life story being a trilogy. 
And after I get to the third book, I'm going to probably write it and update it every year because you can't end a trilogy and live for 20 more years, right? So Correct. my plan on the third book is possibly to keep writing. That Darth Vader is your father. Yes. Yeah. Every yeah, okay. single yeah. year, right? <laughs> and then when I die, that it will be at least up to the last year of my life. Hmm. That'll be my trilogy. Cool. Um, but uh, the second book is obviously the middle story. But the reason it ended so abruptly uh, was because that was a metaphor for how what I did with my career. When I decided to stop playing, I just went, I'm done. And I just stopped going to tournaments. Just, just, I just disappeared. I got rid of all my discs. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't make any phone calls. I didn't announce anything. I just stopped. And everybody wondered what the hell happened to me. Just, I just wasn't at the tournament this year. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't at the tournament next year. And then people didn't know. And so I kind of thought, hey, why don't I end my book? I, I, when I stopped playing with that same kind of like, well, that was a weird ending. Because that's kind of what happened. And then you came back. Yeah. 14 years later. Book that's two. Where book, book two starts. Hell no, yeah. no, God, no, so no, no. Book two starts the day after book one ends. Oh, oh so no, we get the, the dark chapters. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the bad years. Well, no, there weren't all bad years. There, there, you know, of those 13 years, the first 10 were really good. I was making a shit ton of money on the internet, having a lot of fun. It just... OnlyFans? It was Scott Strokely. Not too far off. I was having a blast. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so then, you know, it was only the last few years that it went badly. But when it went badly, it went up in flames. So yeah, so it's going to be, it's all in the book. It'll all be there. I, I don't yes. hold back. Very oh yeah. Can't wait. Interesting. Uh, do we know Paul Letty? That's a new name for yeah, me. Is that a local homie? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Next question is coming from Tom Samborski. He wants to know in all, in all of your travels this year, who are some of the most interesting people you have had the chance to meet, uh, excluding the four of us? Obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously, the four of you, there's five of you. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Well, all right. Yeah, I didn't. It was pretty clear that David Cope sorry. didn't count. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the most interesting people <laughs> that we met. I met a uh, the top disc golfer from Ukraine. And by the way, I'm not going political on this, you know, I'm not whatever, but I'm just going to tell you the facts as they happened. Uh, we met him and his wife and his son. He was allowed to leave the country because as a professional disc golfer, he was considered a professional athlete who needed to travel for work. So the Ukraine government recognized disc golf as a real sport. Like, just like if you're like a traveling musician, like you need to leave the country sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he could only leave for 10 days because as a male in, in Ukraine between the ages of like 15 and 50, they could call you tonight and say you need to be at war tomorrow. Wow. Sure. No, this is that's up for everybody. In fact, actually, a quick aside to that story, we had met somebody who had a developer who worked in the Ukraine who called him one night and he said, Oh, just so you know, I, I, I can't, because he, he was working remotely. So just so you know, I can't work. Um, I just got a phone call. I need to go to war tomorrow. And then went to war and they got murdered a couple weeks later. I like oh that. Like, but it, but the person- The lengths t- some people go to get out of work. I know, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, but it's so normalized because it's like, you know, it's just, it's just that's just something that's happening, right? So we meet the we meet him from the, from the Ukraine, real nice guy, um, and his wife and his kid. But but you could tell there's a hardness to them. Like they've- they're going through stuff that we can't, none of us can relate to uh, what this was like. So we're sitting there, we're walking to dinner, all of a sudden his phone beeps. And he pulls out his phone and he goes, oh, darn it. And I'm like, what? He says, well, there's incoming rockets into my city. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? He says, oh, yeah, we have an app that tells you when there's incoming Russian rockets. And I'm like, wow. Like, what? He goes, yeah. And he goes, it doesn't tell you where they're going to hit, but it gives you like the city name and how many minutes you have. Because if you have like four minutes, you can get to a shelter. If you only have one minute, you get to a bathtub. Wow. 
And then just just he goes, yeah, I hope I hope no one I know dies. Anyways, where do you guys want to go eat? And I was like, wait, 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 back up here. It's giving me chills. This is like this is, but it's already so normal that they've built an app mm-hmm. to let you know. And it, that was such a fascinating, like it's it's horrible, but the fact that it is has almost become like, oh yeah, no, I hope no one I know dies. Yeah, fascinating. I it's mean, like, oh Jesus yeah. Christ, that's that's the real world. Um, anyways, that he was probably one of the most interesting people. He was a great guy. I mean, really nice guy. Him and his whole family was great. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the not to be on a downer or anything, but no? it's like that's just the I real world. The reality oh, is when you travel around the world, is one of the yeah. things you get to see is that, that life is different than here. Like, for instance, you get to in Southeast Asia, we got to see what actual poverty was, not American poverty, actual poverty, right? Not like my I I don't have the most modern current iPhone. It might this is last year's iPhone because I'm poor. <laughs> it's like shut up <laughs> yeah that's not poor so yeah you get to see these things and it, it's uh hate to say it puts it in perspective that's such a cliche but it, it just makes you go oh yeah come on Life's around different. playing disc golf is pretty cool oh yeah we're pretty damn lucky yeah, yeah. joseph bedek has our joey three question joey, joey three putts is it fair to consider scott stokely the dolly parton of disc golf on second thought please don't ask him that so let's pretend like i didn't and move on dan rebholtz has our next question <laughs> I'm gonna, by the way I'm gonna so check this that. out i am gonna answer this right now so first off i i absolutely love dolly parton and i always thought she was okay she's a talented musician but then there's this interview with her with barbara walters floating around mm-hmm. have you seen it mm-hmm. oh yeah the, mm-hmm. the recent one where dolly mm-hmm. where barbara yeah. walters is just awful to her yeah and the most experienced talented professional skilled interview in the entire world and dolly just runs circles around her mm-hmm just yeah. dominates her. And it's just like, wow, that like you're looking at genius there because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to go up against Barbara Walters because she's the best in the world at what she does. And Dolly just crushed her. Yeah, yeah. Go, go Google with Dolly kindness. Parton. Yeah, yeah. With and kindness, just, but also and, just she gave the answers. She's like, like, yeah, I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, right. Yep. Yeah, and I just went, love you, Dolly. Yep. Dan Rebholtz. He says, you have always had this positive, nothing gets me down attitude towards life. How long have you had this attitude and... Is this a natural gift or do you have to work on it? During a lot of my life, I mean, I've been mostly positive, but haven't always been the happiest. The biggest thing that happened, and here's what I recommend everybody do if you really want to be happy. Spend $20,000 on barbecue sauce. No. <laughs> you bastard. That won't make you happy. No, it'll. I can tell you who it makes happy. There's this guy that makes barbecue sauce in, in Louisiana who sold $20,000 worth of barbecue sauce. That guy, <laughs> that guy that's how you make him it's happy. It's a hell of a no. commission, yep. Here's the secret to being happy. Like I said, I told you the secret earlier. That's not true. Here's the actual secret. Everybody should do In fact, I recommend that you all do this. Go through a really bad divorce. You hear that, Liz? You'll thank me afterwards. Yeah. No, it's it was uh, to me that was the the biggest turning point. Was that was the perspective on like that was the worst experience of my life. I I, I think probably next to the death of a child, bad divorce is probably the, the worst thing a person mm. can go through generally. And then having been through that. Everything after that has been like, what could possibly go wrong in my life? It's not that. That was just something that is, you know, that was the worst point in my life. And so mm. now it's like, Jesus Christ, what, I, I break a leg? <laughs> it's way better than a divorce. So tell Dan to have something really traumatic happen. No, 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 yeah. no, <laughs> no. I didn't say something really traumatic. Go through a bad divorce. Very specific. Specific. Yeah. Very specific. That. Two more questions. Eric Gunty has one for you. It's a very well-dressed guy right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, he certainly well-dressed. is. What are your most and least favorite changes in disc golf tournaments since you started? Uh, the 
the best change in disc golf tournaments is everything except for one thing. And, and I mean that every single thing about disc golf is, is other than one thing is better than it's ever been. Like I can't stand that old person that thinks it was automatically better back in your day. Mm. Like, you know, that guy, right? Sure. Oh, right? several of them. Oh, yeah. it's the stupidest thing. Oh, music <laughs> was so much better when, when I was 20. It's like, no, 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 no. It's better to be 20 and you feel so good when you're 20 <laughs> yeah. that music sounds better. Right. Like, God, that's good. Yeah. But it's the truth, right? Like, of course, everything's better when you're 20 years old. My God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're 20 nothing hurts so yeah no they're like people are like oh what, what can we do to fix this golf i get that question to this day i'm like wait what are you talking about fix this golf like where is it not crushing so everything about it's better everything from the money to the amount of people on tour to the respect people get to the galleries to the media coverage to the business opportunities to the courses it's all better except for one thing which is the worst part which is it as it's gotten bigger it's it's and you know, we're never going to get this part back is it will never have the camaraderie that it used to and it's like oh wait, no, i don't know about that because disc golf look at the camaraderie in disc golf it's like yeah there of course there's camaraderie in disc golf it ain't like it used to because we're bigger can't be in the old days everybody that played was a misfit because nobody understood what we were doing except for each other nobody respected Nobody understood it, and we all loved it. And so there's that camaraderie. It's like us against the world. And you can't synthetically replace that with an email list, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that part is the part that is the only part that's lost. You know, not say lost, but it's not what it used to be. Everything else was better, though. We talk about that, too. Yeah. Not that we were there in the, in the you know, playing in the 70s, but, you know, in the time that we've all been doing it, we've we've and seen well, it like shift. I said, it was it's part of the growing pains, yeah. It was small, but then, like I said, nobody got us. Mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't even tell your, your boss why you wanted the, the, the uh, time off generally. Mm -hmm. like, as a rule of thumb, if you told them why, they'd be like, oh, well, then no, you have to yeah, work. Because right. this can't be important to you. I mean, and you, I mean, God, good luck telling someone you're trying to date. I mean, now if you played disc golf, the ladies <laughs> just line up. Yeah. But but back in the old Don't days. Don't we know it? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the old days. So I'm going to do a little insider baseball on this next one. Oh, good. I'm good. Uh, I got this one. So I've read this question probably a dozen times since it was submitted via Instagram. And you guys all know I do the Instagram account. And the whole time I was like, why is he being such a Come on. jerk? Does he know him? Is this what is the joke? Because I kept reading it as how did you develop such a huge forehead? <laughs> But what Clayton Biofus was really asking. This particular question is about. How did you develop such a huge forehand, not forehead? Oh, God. And it wasn't until moments ago that I read it and I was like, oh, I'm Come an on. idiot. It doesn't say forehead. It says forehand. <laughs> so Clayton Biofus wants to know, how did you develop such a huge forehand? He's a great forehand player. So yeah. this question makes sense. Rooster. So the key to throwing sidearm, you throw a ball. Like I played ball when I was a kid. It's you're you're throwing a ball. The mechanics of throwing a sidearm are the same as throwing a ball. There's a couple slight tweaks. Your arm slot, getting the elbow in front, following through with your wrist. There's a couple subtle differences, but it's 95% throwing a ball. And the best illustration of this, look at the eight-year-old kids to throw 250 feet sidearm. Mm -hmm. You've seen these little kids that can mm -hmm. just crush their sidearms, right? Mm -hmm. If you had the ability to take a video of them throwing sidearm and use CGI to take the disc out of their hand and put a baseball in their hand and they threw that baseball, it would look completely natural. Basically, they haven't been taught to throw wrong yet. They just pick up an object and throw it. Turns out that was right. Awesome. Great answer. With a couple little tweaks. But you'll never 
figure it out on your own without paying me for a seminar. <laughs> Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just tied up the mailbag. That was it. Oh, We're done cool. with it. All right. That. I just kicked it out of here. Wow. What an animated way to end the mailbag. Thank you, everybody who submitted your questions. Thank you, everybody. I just touched the microphone again, and Ryan pretend slapped my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for, for submitting the questions. We, we love it. it. It adds so much to the show. So thank you guys for doing that. And that really is a wrap on this episode. Scott, thank you. Thank you so much for, for not just for being here and doing the episode, but for coming to our area, for offering your wisdom, for giving so much to communities around the world. Everything that you've shared, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident is making the world a better place in, in so many so many ways. So thank you for everything you do. It was awesome to meet you. And I hope listeners, are, I hope they get everything that we got out of this. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was great. Thank you for the, the, the pizza and coffee. You know it. For sure. We got you. Well, uh, hopefully this isn't our last episode. I, I'm sure this isn't the last time you come to Chicago. So let us know next time you come back around. But- I have no idea when I'm coming back because I'm leaving the country again next May. And, and then I'm going to Europe. And then we're going to Africa and Asia over the winter. And then Jeez. I have no idea where I'm going to be after that. Well, when the second book drops, we'll be here for you. I will be back in the spring, though. Spring well, it is. Spring it is. Until then. Until next time, guys. Keep it on the fairway. See Thanks, you, everyone. Yeah, I'll be good. Thanks, Eric. I had to give him one. <laughs> unstable discourse is produced by sheila callahan edited by ryan fancher beats provided by alex seminary and produced in association with unstable disc golf gear look good feel good play good Discourse is a Top Secret Studios production, baby. I always use Chico's Bail Bonds.